I think every single person in this locker room is a competitor at the highest level. So, yeah, when you feel as if your back's against the wall, you never have to feel like you got to do it by yourself. Under pressure, sacked by Quinnen Williams. You look to your left and your right, you got guys out there with you that, that our whole point is to help each other. This one the Mims. That's Corey Davis climbing the ladder. To be able to go out and, and lead these guys, just to know how hard these guys work and how important it is to them, and then you get that chance to, to lead them. Everything that happened that needed to happen for us, it almost felt like kind of like a sign, like, Get like a second chance almost. Gets extra pushes, running left. Maybe a little extra life breathing in the block. Touchdown Jets! Welcome to Talking Jets. My name's Ryan and I'll be your pilot tonight. I am joined alongside my co-pilots. I've got Greenbean to my this way and Matt to my that way. Greenbean, how you doing tonight? I think I'm okay, man. It's a lot of weird stuff swirling around. Uh, speculation season, uh, it's weird. You know it's coming, but you still can't help chewing on some of it. You know what I mean? Weird. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's wonderful. I love this time of year. Matt, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm kind of with Greenbean. It's like hard to keep up with all this stuff. It's like every day is something something new. So I'm excited to uh, chop it up with you guys in the comment section and see what's uh, going on today in Jetsland. I love it. Boys and girls, if you're just hopping in here, make sure you hit that like button if we've earned it. If not, hang around a little longer. Let us know if we've earned it by hitting that like button. Uh, for every 25 likes we get on this stream, we're going to pick a t-shirt qualifier for our t-shirt giveaway at the end of the show. And then if you want to get entered into next week's t-shirt giveaway, all you got to do is leave a comment down below this video after it has aired and we'll enter you into next week's t-shirt giveaway. I also have a poll question in the live chat. Who do you want? For quarterback, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Aaron Rodgers. That's in there, so make sure you vote on that on your way in. All right, boys and girls, there's been a lot of uh, speculative news and, you know, rumors and everything going on, and it's kind of fun. I, uh, like Greenbean was saying, it's, you know, a fun time of year, and like Matt was saying, it's hard to keep up with everything. <laughs> Everything's just constantly going and going and going and going and going. Uh, and, you know, there's... Lamar Jackson rumors, there's Aaron Rodgers rumors, there's, you know, who's going to come back for the New York Jets, offensive coordinators, all that good stuff. Uh, before we go into some of the quarterback news that's a little bit bigger, I want to go over to our uh, perspective offensive coordinators. These are some names that have popped up over the course of the last few days. So I want to take a look at it, get some of your thoughts. I know some of us have made mock off seasons or uh, perspective thoughts on the offensive coordinator situation. Uh, so Kevin Petullo, the Eagles pass game coordinator, uh, Marcus Brady, the Eagles offensive consultant, Joe Brady, Bills quarterback coach, Daryl Bevel, Dolphins quarterback coach and passing game co coordinator, Nick Callie, uh, Patriots tight end coach. Uh, I think there was one more that was supposed to be on the list as well for right now, but these are the names that have kind of been uh, associated and that the Jets were going to be asking them for interviews coming up. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on this list right here or any names that I may not have included? Um, yeah, I mean, this, this list isn't exactly the most inspiring, which makes me a little <laughs> bit nervous, uh, for, to see the direction that they're going to go. Uh, but just some quick thoughts on the guys that you have laid out. I think of this group, 
Bevel is the one I'd be most most interested in because he has that experience and he's had success in a few different spots with Minnesota, with Favre. Favre arguably had his best statistical season at 40 years old in 2009 with Bevel as the OC. Uh, I liked what he did with Russell Wilson early in his career. Yes, they were very much so focused on the run game. They were a run-first team, but with Brees Hall and Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight, that feels like what the Jets are going to be trying to do um, in 2023 and beyond, so I'd be okay with that. Um, and I think he's done a good job with Tua this past year. The only other guy that like slightly interests me on this list is uh, Joe Brady, but I think that's even a little bit too risky at this point. I really like his upside, but um, similarly, similarly to Mike Lafleur, it, it's kind of a developmental one, or there's someone, who, or, or he's someone that has some risk with him. Um, every, everyone else is pretty uninspiring on this list, I think, unfortunately. Green Bean, what about you? How are you feeling about this list right here? Um, I hate this list. I, um, I <laughs> it's think, like gut wrenching, right? Like it's not as, uh, uh, it's like, it's oh, maybe we shouldn't have let go of LaFleur. <laughs> well, look, um, you know, look, I'm going to continue. Like I keep making myself fall back to this idea. I trust Joe Douglas. That's what I'm doing. I, I have to do that because it's very easy for my wheels to spin and think that they're, uh, you know, that this the, the wheels are falling off. Like when I look at a list like this, now Daryl Bevel would be an exceptional hire, okay? He's been around a long time. He's been a head coach. In uh, an interim basis, two separate times, he was the guy responsible for the development of Russell Wilson early on. A great success with him, great success with Brett Favre, <clears throat> you know. And uh, and you know, he's the guy who called um, the worst play call in NFL history, uh, which is the uh, the Seattle pass on the one yard line in the Super Bowl that got intercepted by Malcolm Butler. But the thing is. <clears throat> I want somebody who's already made those mistakes, right? Like, not that that shit's mm -hmm. in there. He's not doing that again. I'm telling you right now. He won't be biting on that kind of an idea. So, anyway, he's a really attractive candidate for me. Uh, Kevin Petullo, great. Why did we get rid of LaFleur? So, we just watched him stumble and bumble for two years. Now, we're going to get a guy who's never done it before. I don't know. And we're going to watch him learn. Fucking Nick Kelly. What is Nick Kelly? Dude, the Patriots needed an offensive coordinator and didn't hire him. They brought in uh, their former special teams coach and their defensive coordinator and let them run plays. So what's where's the attraction to this guy? Joe Brady, you know, look, dude, I, I don't even know what the love affair is with Joe Brady. With all due respect, he's never done a damn thing. Never. The only thing he's ever done is he was he happened to be the passing game coordinator when Joe Burrow went off at LSU. That's it. I don't know what it is. At least he's called plays. I'll give you that. Not very good ones. Very successful, but at least he did that. The, the list is disappointing, man. I'd like to see Munkin. I'd like to see Olsen. I'd like to see some guys uh, that have done this before, man, and that uh, we're not going to have to watch them. It's one thing to make bad moves. It's another entirely to not know what moves to make. And that's what we saw with LaFleur. I don't want to see that again, man. Wife, he was going into his third year. Just keep him, you know? So anyway, I trust Joe Douglas, uh, but it's scary at this point. Yeah, for me, Kevin Petullo is a no right off the bat. He's never been an offensive coordinator before. That's the same reason for Nick Cali as well. I don't want either one of them here. 
Um, now, Kevin Petullo was a Frank Reich recommendation. He knows Rex Hogan. Uh, and then Nick Cali has a connection with Jets chief of staff, Steve Sarnecchia. Uh, and that's the connection with those two guys. Apparently, Nick Callie's like supposed to be this huge up and coming, uh, you know, coach, much more than a tight end coach under McDaniels was the the quote that I saw for him. Um, but yeah, I don't want either one of those guys. I want someone with experienced offensive coordinator, uh, you know, play calling. And Joe Brady, as much as I wanted him as OC a few years ago, uh, when we were looking at get rid of Gase, it's not something I want to particularly go with right now. Uh, he didn't have any hand in developing um, Josh Allen up in Buffalo. He's only been there for one year. In Carolina, I thought he was pretty uninspiring. I really did like him at LSU. I like him uh, being plucked from the New Orleans Saints as well. I think there is there is a lot of upside there. I just think he's a little too green for us. Marcus Brady, um, kind of interesting. The rumor I heard was that Kevin Petullo would be offensive coordinator. Marcus Brady would be quarterback coach. There's rumors that they would be a package deal wherever they eventually end up. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't want that pairing. I'd be very upset with that. Daryl Bevel to me, like you guys said, is the one that, that for me hits the most chords. Like if I'm looking for an offensive coordinator, I want the guy that's going to be able to utilize the talent I have on staff already. So you're talking Brees Hall. And I mentioned the Adrian Peterson and Marshawn Lynch uh, offensive coordinator. There's uh, Greenbean brought up the the worst play call in NFL history, not running it with Marshawn Lynch on the one yard line in the Super Bowl. Remember, at that time, there was a rift in the locker room between a large portion of the players and some players that backed Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was not one of the guys, uh, if you remember correctly, and they wanted to have Russell Wilson win that Super Bowl as opposed to Marshawn Lynch winning that Super Bowl. That's why that play call was made, or at least that's the theory behind it, given this you know, the stuff that was going on at that point in time. I really liked Daryl Bevel. I love that he was one of the first guys to scout Russell Wilson. He was one of the few guys at his pro day, actually. And then you go and you see the success he had with him. You see the success he had with Stafford. You see the success he had, uh, you know, with uh, Tavares Jackson, Brett Favre. Yeah, even to a lesser extent with Trevor Lawrence after Urban Meyer was fired and then with Tua this past year, you know, there's probably arguments to be had for, okay, well, did Lawrence take off, you know, with, with Doug Peterson? Did Tua take off with Tyreek Hill? Um, you know, there's some things like that, but I think Daryl Bevel could at least provide, you know, offensive coordinator status for four previous teams. So there's a lot of knowledge. It sounds like he bends his scheme to fit the players that are on the team. Uh, so that to me is 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 where I'd go. Uh, like I said, or like you guys said, Greg Olson, uh, wish he would be thrown on there. That's the connection to Derek Carr. Um, my understanding is he's not real interested in leaving the West Coast. So there's a good shot he winds up staying in LA with McVeigh and Stafford. Um, so it's just kind of I don't know. I'd, I'd love to see Munkin in here. Munkin's a, a really high up there on my list kind of person, but he's getting two and a half million dollars to be the OC of Georgia. I can't see any way he's coming to New York for that um, to, to probably make less money if I had to guess. Not to mention the, I would think his system is far more pass oriented, which maybe it doesn't necessarily matter because we're, we're casting a wide net, but like I'd like us to focus on Brees Hall and some of the the, the clock controlling uh type stuff here. Matt, any uh, additional thoughts with what I've just kind of rambled on about right here? Yeah, I really uh, like that you brought up Munkin because that's someone who was uh, on the head coaching list when uh, the Jets ended up hiring Adam Gase, which is just still hilarious <laughs> even three years later. Um, <clears throat> with 
with Munkin, he's someone who has had experience and success in multiple places. He's doing a phenomenal job in, in Georgia uh, or with Georgia and even in Tampa Bay when he was the OC there with Jameis Winston. I thought he really got a lot out of that offense with a quarterback who is just a turnover machine. So um, I think he would add a really nice element to um, th this offense. The, the one thing, though, Woody would have to – Pony up, man. He's making like I think it's like two million dollars a year. Two and, and a half. Oh, two and a half. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an insane number. So open up the piggy bank and let's go. Let's get some legitimate guy in here, so we're not dealing with Nick Haley, who Bill Belichick, his buddy, didn't think highly enough to make him an offensive coordinator after eight years with the team. Instead, he brought back his reject defensive coordinator and his reject special teams coach to run the offense. So, uh, yeah, open up the bank. Greenbean, your thoughts here. Anything else? <clears throat> well, yeah, man. I mean, uh, like, Matt, you guys just nailed it. When Nick Cayley irks me. Like, like, I understand the wide net. Yay, wide net. I would much rather they don't waste anybody's time with bringing in a bunch of losers that are not going to be able to do it. Again, <laughs> like, we don't know what these guys are going to be in the future. They might, just like you said, uh, uh, um, uh, Nick Cayley, he might be an up-and-coming. LaFleur was an up-and-coming. Yeah. We get it, dude. We If we were going to go that route, stick with the guy that already made two years of mistakes underneath you and, and refine them. If you're going to do that, if you can't do that, why are we even considering doing that again? Like, I, I don't know. It makes no sense. Now, look, just like always, it doesn't matter who we hire. I'm going to root for them. I'm going to want them. I'm going to find the positives and, and try to do all that stuff. But I wish they would just go out there and, uh, you know, you, you grab Bevel. He comes in the building and you go, hey, look, Daryl, we don't want you to leave, man. What, what is it going to take? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What's it going to take? We want you here. We want you here for the duration. We'll link up your contract with Salas, you know, three more years or whatever, what four years, whatever the hell it's got to be. It's not going to be a one and done, you know, because that's the whole fear, man, is that, you know, um, that Joe Douglas and Sala are going to start, you know, uh, governing their actions from a position of fear, right? Now they have to do this and that. And, th and then you, when, once you do that, then good guys aren't going to come here because they smell it. There's blood in the water. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't want to attach to that. You get guys that are desperate or trying to make a name for themselves. I wish the Jets would just put all their resources in, sit fucking, bring Woody to the table and let Woody say, don't, nobody's getting fired. Nobody's getting fired. Just come on here. We want you. We want a vet. We'll 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 lock you up for four years or whatever. And let's and let's go get our you know ourselves Derek Carr and you can help us work on this on this idiot kid that we drafted that can't get his head out of his ass. You can help us do that. <laughs> and just you know really that's what I'd like to see happen. Just focus. Get it done tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like don't I don't need a wide net. I don't need three weeks of losers coming into the building. Just go get Bevel Munkin or uh, Olsen some one of these guys and say, let's get it done, lock them up and let's move on. I completely agree with you, Green Bean. <laughs> uh, one more thing on Nick Cali, the, the, the thought process with him, uh, much more than a tight ends coach uh, under McDaniels. It's the, the thought that maybe Garoppolo maybe would follow him. So he's, you know, if, if the Jets swing and, well, I guess you'd want to hire him prior to that, but I don't want to hire him. <laughs> so yeah, no, but, but the, the Garoppolo connection, I think is where he... Eh, may pop in, I guess. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Uh, Blitz Crew 
dropped in. Blitzcrew says multiple big name quarterbacks are in the mix. Doubt any of the big name offensive coordinators will be officially in the mix. Lamar and Aaron would want input in the process. Um, I don't think you allow them to have input in the process. Maybe, maybe Rogers to an extent, but I would think maybe he wants to play with Nathaniel Hackett and then you, maybe you make things work that way. Hackett may want to take a year off. So you could actually, if you swing and miss on Rogers, you don't have to hire Hackett as the OC. You could hire him as like the senior advisor later on. Like you don't have to do that right this second, uh, which I think is a, a nice little positive considering you can't trade for Rogers until after June 1st. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'd, I'd give Lamar input as far as the the offensive coordinator that would come in. I actually, I really like Brian Johnson, the quarterback coach from Philly. If we were to, if the plan is to go after Lamar, then Brian Johnson running an, you know, being the quarterback coach for the offense in Philly is interesting because I think he was the youngest offensive coordinator in college football history, and he's been an OC for three college teams. So it's not ideal, Um but he's someone I would consider looking at for the OC in conjunction with a, uh, you know, a, a senior guy as well. Matt, any thoughts on uh, Aaron or Lamar having input on the next OC? I don't think either of them will. I think we are going to find out who the offensive coordinator is way before we find out who the quarterback that they're going to bring in. And more than likely, whoever they hire is going to have an input on the direction that they go at quarterback. I would think it'd be like the exact opposite, actually, um, mm -hmm. that it's going to be the OC along with uh, Salah and Douglas kind of teaming together and figuring out, all right, what are we going to do? at the quarterback position rather than, all right, let's get our quarterback and then after figure out who's going to run the offense. That doesn't really seem to make sense to me. Yeah, Greenmead, I want to ask you your thoughts on this too. Uh, do you think there is, um, do you think maybe in the interview process, they are vetting guys saying, who do you want as quarterback? Or do you think that's a conversation after they determine the offensive scheme they want to go with and the guy they like? Um. I bet it's brought up for sure. I mean, we're, right now we have no quarterback. You know what I mean? Unless they're going to push this Zach thing. Which, uh, truth be told, it's one of the things that scares me a little bit. Again, I trust Joe Douglas, okay? But in my own head, these are the things I explore. I have thoughts and I explore them. My concern would be that they're out there saying, hey, we really love this kid, Zach Wilson. Like, I think that's going to probably push a lot of people away. Um, you know, it, it'll take at least some guys off. They're like, look, guys, I'm not going to hitch my cart to him. That's just not what I'm doing. Uh, I'll develop him on the side if you'd like, whatever. But I think that when you have a you – know, this is a huge decision. And don't forget, this offensive coordinator now gets to choose his wide receiver coach and offensive line coach. So there's going to be a, a, a nice chunk of stuff to talk about here. And I think one of them has to be, well, which type of quarterback are you into? You know, look, we have an opportunity. We're going to go out there. Woody Johnson's got his, 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 he's got itchy fingers with a pen in it. He wants to, he wants to spend fucking a hundred million dollars. So we can go out there and get somebody. If we're going for Carr, if we're going for Lamar, which guy makes you happy? Which guy interests you? I think that's definitely part of the conversation. Uh, I think it'd be stupid not to. You know, you, you, you find out that, oh, I, you go out there and sign Lamar, and he's like, Lamar? I don't want Lamar. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what the fuck are we doing here? You know? So I think it's very, very important uh, to get that, at, at least have that conversation going in the interview process for sure. 
Tony Alexio drops in and says, we want Todd Bunkin to electrify our dead offense. P.S. Strebler package. Uh, I love the idea of the Strebler package because I really like Taysom Hill and how they utilize him in New Orleans. So I would love to see something similar uh, here, especially if you have someone that maybe uh, is more of a statue-esque quarterback and you wanted to try and maybe score in the red zone and you had some kind of, you know, read option type uh, type deal on the goal line there. I like that idea. As far as Munkin, I love it. I just don't think we're going to get uh, $2.5 million for an offensive coordinator to pull him away from Georgia. Uh, Justin Crazy says, would you consider Fitzmagic as quarterback coach? The former Harvard guy coming in, being the quarterback coach, threw a zillion interceptions, been on a bunch of teams. I don't know. I'd consider anyone being the quarterback coach at this point in time. I just want the quarterback to work out. So does Fitzpatrick want to coach and he's smart enough? Go for it. I don't know if he was ever the mentor type quarterback, though. He was more of a stopgap kind of guy. Matt, you're shaking your head. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, he was not a mentor. I think he specifically said, I'm not here to mentor whoever was, whether it was Hackenberg or Petty or both or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the last guy that I would want to be the quarterback coach. He had a lot of really bad habits. He was a fun, he was a fun player. 2015 was a lot of fun, but he was extremely, extremely, extremely streaky. Um, for, for someone to uh, teach habits on our quarterback, I would hope it would be someone who uh, was a little bit more consistent in their career and maybe didn't go out with so much noise. I, I seem to remember saying he hated his time with the Jets in 2016. Green Bean, Ryan Fitzmagic, your new OC or quarterback coach? Quarterback coach, sorry, not OC. Uh, no. Um, I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you what I would be into, though. Like, if we were going to go out there and get Aaron Rodgers, just don't even get an offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Just let him, you know what I mean? Just let him do it. Let him <laughs> just get, get a quarterback coach to specifically work with Zach and let Aaron call all the plays. Just Aaron, yeah. Yeah, you'll do exactly right. what you want to do. Right, let him hang out like you send him Coach Middleton. Like, Aaron, you and Coach Middleton, just figure it out. You can call the plays. Coach Middleton can take your ideas and pump it up to the crowd. You know what I mean? Make sure everybody understands and communicate it. I would do that before I sign Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick, I mean, I don't know. If, if he wanted to get into coaching, he's an exceptionally smart man. Like, we know that. he's. I think he was Harvard, right? Harvard or Princeton? I think mm -hmm. he's Harvard. Harvard. Um, so, you know, look, and he figured out a way, he figured out how to fool like four different organizations into believing that that year he had with them was worth giving him a nice big contract. And then he would go from Fitzmagic to Fitztragic, he'd leave, and he'd do the same thing to the next organization. So I almost think it's by design. So uh, if, he's, if he's working towards something, you know, similar goal, Maybe it would be good, but I think more than likely he's just a bunch of hot air and, and there's really no substance to him. I'd, I'd probably go elsewhere. Dante drops in, says, I know these aren't mutually exclusive, but is the focus on calling slash creating a good offense or development of Zach Wilson? I feel we should at least focus on offensive coordinator and much less on Zach's development. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Joe Douglas and Robert Sala have their back against the wall. I think they are going to do things we haven't seen them do in previous off seasons to facilitate them getting to the playoffs and having a successful season. So I think you could see Joe Douglas trade picks and use salary cap space that he won't be here to use if we don't make the playoffs. So like that's the kind of concern and the weird morph in ideology when you have uh, someone with their back against the wall. I do want someone here 
to potentially develop Zach. But if we go with Carr or Lamar, I would say that's probably less so a need. I would say Aaron Rodgers would be the the way we go if we have a lot more faith in Zach Wilson, which I, I don't know if we do now that we're hearing so much about Carr and and Lamar with the Jets being the favorites to land both those guys. Greenbean, your thoughts on a good offense or developing Zach Wilson? Could be both, but... Yeah, you know what? It's going to be weird no matter how you slice it, Dante. Generally speaking, if you look through NFL history, when there's an an an, an you know an, an incumbent starting quarterback, like somebody who was the team's starter, when they move away from him, other than the year that it happens, like mid year, ninety nine percent of the time the team will get rid of that quarterback. Okay, it's just it's a it's a bad move, generally speaking, to keep the previous starter on the roster. There's all sorts of potential splits that can happen. There's a, there's a lot more negative that comes with it than positive. So the fact that the Jets are are considering doing this, uh, they have to make it they have to make it a, a, a very understood that this is not a quarterback competition. Zach is not going to be the potential starter. No, he's he's been reduced to a development guy that's what he's doing if they do that it might be able to work i don't think that you can have an um you know bring somebody in here and have that convoluted weird kind of thing like zach might be the starter or i think the focus has to be utilizing the guys that we already know can play at an nfl level figuring out how to get these guys into the end zone whatever happens with zach is gravy if it ever happens that's what i think i think the focus has to be on the on the offense zach's development as much as he you know look we use the number two pick and he's important all that shit it's all but wash down the drain, in my opinion. Whatever you get from him at this point is gravy. And again, they got to make that so so the team understands. There's no there's no quarterback controversy here. If it's Derek Carr, if it's Lamar Jackson, if it's Aaron Rodgers, if it's Gardner Minshew, it doesn't matter who it is. They are the starter. Zach is developmental. And I think that's the only way that it can work. Again, I can't think of a team that kept their previous starter around, especially somebody who started for at least two years. I can't think of one. I mean, maybe you guys can. I can't think of a team. I'm trying to while I'm talking. Hmm. Matt, any work. thoughts on having a good offensive coordinator, creating a good offense, or being more focused on Zach's development? Um, I think that's the quarterback coach's job. I think you should be um, – the offensive coordinator should be focused on building the offense and just like – optimizing 2023 right because that's what matters is if they don't have a good offense in 2023 it doesn't matter if zach wilson develops a year from now because none of these guys are going to be here if they if they miss the playoffs and are really bad <laughs> right. offensively um but that's exactly what a quarterback coach is supposed to do now he works with the starter yes of course but he's going to spend time with everyone else in the positional group so uh, i think that's why you have a quarterback coach I completely agree, Matt. That was well said. I want to jump into a few clips from uh, some stuff that happened or, well, we'll get into it. A little bit of uh, some rumor news potentially again up here, and then we'll get back to some super chats uh, on the other side. So this one uh, is going to be about Lamar Jackson. Where do they stand with Lamar Jackson? Well, first of all, interesting note on the broadcast, Lamar Jackson was not there. He was not with his team, which 
is not entirely rare, guys, for injured players. Sometimes you don't travel players because of swelling. Makes sense, but he was not there. Lamar Jackson still dealing with that PCL sprain. And I got to tell you, I'm a little sad I'm not going to be discussing this for the next several weeks as the Ravens keep going on. Because uh, we've discussed it so many times. But it was interesting to me to hear Marlon Humphrey, kind of a veteran spokesman for the Ravens after the game, say, we've seen Lamar in the facility. He's limping around. A lot of people don't see that. He's right. We've all been talking about, like you guys were saying, put a brace on it. Can he just go? Why is he not out there? People, you know, Michael Vick's calling for just... He could not go. Now, for the Baltimore Ravens, their next step is to get to the offseason, which they are about to be in right now, start negotiating a long-term deal with Lamar. They went down the road a little bit before the season, did not get there. If they can't do a deal, he will get the franchise tag. Is it going to be the exclusive franchise tag where no one can touch him? Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be the non-exclusive mm -hmm. where someone could come in and make an offer sheet? That's kind of the next drama with Lamar. But he is still their quarterback going forward. All right, so you heard it there from me in Rappaport, Lamar Jackson, and currently the Jets are the betting favorites to uh, to get Lamar Jackson, which is kind of kind of interesting. One thing that he mentioned there at the end, everyone's thinking that Lamar Jackson is going to get the the franchise tag. There is a situation where you know. Baltimore just can't figure out a contract with Lamar Jackson, and they decide to hit him with the non-exclusive franchise tag, allowing him to then talk to every other team to find out what his value is worth. And then if he signs an offer sheet with one of the teams, that offer sheet goes back to Baltimore. Baltimore then looks at it. They decide, okay, I can either sign this and we will retain Lamar, or we can refuse it and we're going to take that other team's two first-round picks uh, which would be really interesting because if they do that, I would 100% go after Lamar for two first-round picks. I think that is a no-brainer. Um, and it allows the Ravens to at least gauge what, how the rest of the NFL views Lamar and they don't have to necessarily overpay for someone that it seems like they're having some reservations about paying already. So I want to ask you guys, Green Bean, I'll start with you first. What are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson possibly using, uh, you know, maybe the Ravens use the non-exclusive franchise tag on him. What are your thoughts overall about Lamar? Uh, it's funny. I was just Jennifer Slattery. I see you in there. She's she's got a baseball bat. She's like hitting any non like any anti Lamar shit down. She's 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 out there crushing it. I was just gonna comment to you um, about that. But my here's my thoughts on Lamar. <clears throat> Number one, I think the non exclusive tag idea is fantastic because what that <laughs> does, it enables the player to see what's real. You know what I mean? Reality. <laughs> what's reality? You know he doesn't have an agent. Let's remember that. So Lamar Jackson is negotiating for himself, which is ill-advised, quite frankly. Now he's going to save himself a little bit of coin, obviously. What do they get? 6%, some shit like that? I think that. it's 10%, so gonna, I think is what someone told me. Yeah, right. So whatever, right. So he's saving that at the on the back end when it happens. That's a positive, of course. But during in the meantime, he's hearing everything that the Ravens don't like about him because that's what they do in these contract negotiations. They say, well, I don't know, man. Listen, he missed five games each of the last two years. If you look at his stats, every year the stats have gone down. The, the passing yards go down. The completion percentage goes down. The touchdowns go down. Uh, the rushing yards go down. The rushing touchdowns go down. So how the hell? We just offered him $40 million or 40. How can he, we possibly justify so he's hearing that shit from the owners when usually the agents kind of absorb that end and you can just focus on football and your coaches and all that sort of stuff so i think that 
I understand why people like Jets fans are saying, dude, for once in our life, can we just swing for the fences and get the guy? I get it. I am one who does not believe he's the guy. I think he's probably got a few years left of high caliber, you know, football, if that. Again, dude, he's injured now. You know what I mean? Right now. So let let Lamar Jackson go out there, find out that nobody really is going to offer him $50 million. Like maybe the highest offer is 40 and the Ravens offer was the highest that he could get. I mean, maybe that happens and then they work something out. Um, I'd hate to see us give $50 million. And for, I saw the O'Leary's, uh, he put out that the the mock uh, thing today with the trade for Lamar. I, I almost vomited in my mouth to to give all that away. And I get it. You're not. It's a that's the going rate for these kinds of right. things. Like three firsts, mm-hmm. seconds, thirds, fourths, and all that. I'd hate to see us give all that up and pay fifty million dollars. And in a year and a half, we have an injured RG three situation on our hands, man. And that's my fear with 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 this guy. I get it. I'd love to have that kind of a player. Uh, I think the last two years, the fact that he's missed five games each of the last two years and his numbers keep going down, I'd say it's uh, fool's gold. So the one thing about Lamar's numbers that I think are interesting is that he's just really efficient. Like his numbers don't look great. Like he hasn't had a 4,000 yard passing season, but he doesn't throw the ball a whole lot. Like if he threw the ball the same amount as Tom Brady this year with the same yards per attempt that he has, he'd have that 64% completion percentage, which he you know already currently has or 62, whatever he had this year. Um, yeah, and he'd have over 5,000 passing yards. So like Lamar, if given the opportunities, has been an efficient passer. The injuries, like you mentioned, the the five games lost this year, five games lost last year, I think is a concern. And I think there is definitely some additional wear and tear that happens on his body. I view Lamar as someone who takes shots like a wide receiver, not like a running back. Um, I know a lot of people kind of call him and fields running backs more more than quarterbacks and whatnot. But for me, I think I see Lamar sliding. I think I see him running out of bounds a lot. And the last two years, he's been hurt in the pocket. He, he hurt his ankle in the pocket or his knee in the pocket. It wasn't from, you know, running around or doing anything that we would, you know, categorize as Lamar specific compared to like other quarterbacks. Like Tom Brady got injured in the pocket. Like these things can happen uh, as well. But it's just interesting. It's, you know, the the dynamic that goes into place. Is Lamar actually worth that? Matt, your thoughts on Lamar Jackson and, and would you make the trade for him? Lamar is, this is a really complicated one. Um, so I kind of want to talk through it a little bit because like Greenbean said, a lot of people were were mad in my comments of, on that post about how much I gave up to get Lamar. It's like, well, I'm not even saying like this is my preferred plan. I'm just doing an offseason like, hey, this is probably what it would take to get a player like this. But that's a whole nother conversation for another day. I think there's a large portion of the fan base that's maybe discredits Lamar a little bit too much. I think I think they discredit him as a as a passer. But at the same time, I also see the opposite end of the spectrum where they're like, how could you even like this is a no brainer. I don't think I would go as far to say that it's a no-brainer. I think it's a very nuanced conversation and one that's worth having because, yes, when he's healthy, to me, there's no doubt he is at worst the 12th best quarterback in the league, probably closer to top 10. But he's missed five games each of the last two years. You would have to give up multiple first-rounders, and then you'd have to pay him. What does that look like on your on your cap after that? And then how does that affect the other players that you're potentially going to you know need to retain and sign? But then it, it swings back the other way when you look at 
what he could potentially do to elevate this offense. It's, I, I, I don't know. There's so many elements in this one that I don't think it's fair to just completely dismiss it, but then also to say, oh, yeah, it's a no-brainer. You have to do it. I think, I don't know if it's my preferred, my number one option, but I, I would get it if this was the swing that they wanted to take at the position. It's hard to say, oh, it doesn't make sense. It, no, it does, because when he's, on, when he's on the field, he's one of the more electric players in, in the game, so... I would absolutely get it if this is the direction the Jets wanted to go. Yeah, this is, I agree. This is a very nuanced conversation. It's not something that you can make in a, in a vacuum. Uh, but the, what's nice about Lamar, and I, I think this is accurate, is I, I don't think Lamar gets traded until closer to the draft, unless he's just going to get so much money that they have to trade him at the beginning part of the free agency period, just so teams know where like this guy's going to go and how things kind of break down. Uh, and whatnot. I, I, the nice thing for me is that you can go after Carr first because he's a free agent in February. You can go after Jimmy G second if you want because he's a free agent in March. Lamar, if he gets traded closer to the draft, he could be your third option after you've tried to do everything else. And then if he gets too rich and you decide you want to call your best buddy and my, uh, and Matt Lafleur over in Green Bay, then uh, June first you get to go take a look at at Aaron Rodgers. Uh, which I think is a pretty nice segue. So guys, we'll get into your super chats. I want to talk about the Aaron Rodgers stuff. So this is Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show. Uh, and we'll come back on the other end. If there's a rebuild going on, I won't be a part of it. I'm sure that'll trigger somebody asking them, you know, are you guys rebuilding? And, and the answer would be, of course not. You know, we're, we got this and we have that. And, and But it's a mindset. You know, if they want to go younger and, and think Jordan's ready to go, then they're, then that might be the way they want to go. And if that's the case and I still want to play, then there's only one option, right? That's to play somewhere else. Um, you know, if it's not, and they, you know, like, no, no, we you know, still want you to play and, you know, this and that, then it'd have to be, uh, you know, the right situation with the roster. It looks like we can, we can win it all because there's no point coming back if you don't think you can win it all. This was a very nice interview from Aaron Rodgers, I felt like. Um, and... He's right. Why come back if you're not going to try and win it all? Like this, right. I'm here to win. He's got $59 million. There's a big-time option uh, that the Packers have to pick up before week one of this year that allows the Packers to actually trade Aaron Rodgers. Um, and if you exercise that option, he gets an injury guarantee for, I believe it's, is it $40 million? I guess it's injury guaranteed for $59 million, but his cap hit for this year would only be $15 million. So there is a, an easy way to get this trade done. Uh, the other part of that interview that I didn't have in that clip was Aaron Rodgers talking about, and he, he mentioned it sort of briefly, was the players and what the roster looks like to Green Bay for him to, to want to come back. And the names he had mentioned before were Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, uh, you know, David Battiari. So th th there's situations where you could bring in an Aaron Rodgers and maybe there's, you know, this might be the best option. I, I like Derek Carr a lot, but there's a situation with Aaron Rodgers that I think is very, very fascinating, depending on what you're going to need to trade for him. And I think since this trade is going to have to happen post June 1st, I think you're looking at something that would be like a conditional 2024 pick. It might be a third round pick that elevates to a second round pick if he's on the roster in 2024. I would do that all damn day because that allows you to use your first round pick on a left tackle. Now, if you wanted to trade down from that first 
you know, number 13 overall pick and you were like, hey, you know, if Rodgers wants David Batiari coming back here, maybe you bring him in as your left tackle. He's like 31 years old, so it's a little bit longer in the tooth, but you kind of, you, you might be able to attract a Lazard who's six foot five that you want to try and replace Corey Davis with. Um, there, there's players that could come with Aaron Rodgers that might take lower deals because like Aaron Rodgers said, why come back if you're not going to try and win it all? And the Jets, as they're currently constructed, I think can win it all with someone like Aaron Rodgers at the helm. And not to mention it gives Zach Wilson his idol to sit behind for at least another year. You kind of gauge him throughout practice in the off season and you say, okay, Zach, we're going into next year and you're going to be the guy, you know, you're four or if Rodgers wants to come back. Zach, we're going to exercise your fifth-year option maybe, and you're going to be the guy in, in year five, or you, you kind of figure out where you feel best with Zach and, and with Rodgers. But I think there's a lot to like about Rodgers, uh, and I think he gives us the best chance to win because I think he's the best quarterback at the lowest price trade-wise. Greenbean, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers? <clears throat> well, number one, I think that was such a refreshing take from someone. you know. And I look, over the years... I haven't been the biggest Aaron Rodgers fan over the years, par partially because I'm jealous and all that shit and our quarterbacks suck. He said something about Mark Sanchez years ago, and that was it. I don't like Aaron Rodgers anymore. You know you know how I am. I hold grudges, man. So I'm very petty. Um, but, like, what a great way to say it, man. It's like, look, dude, if they're going to do that, I'm not doing that. You know? So if that's what they want to do, I respect it, but I'm out. And the only and I and I want to keep playing. So the only way to do that is to go somewhere else. I think everybody should be that upfront and clear. That's I think if the world was doing that, we would have a lot less bullshit uh, going on. Now I've heard him called <laughs> a diva because of that. Like, oh, listen to him; he's a diva. I I, I beg to differ. That that's just, my take is no, man. He's telling you flat out what he wants. He's happy to be a part of it. If it's this, I'm not doing it. If it's that. And if that's what you want to do, I respect it. I'm going to do something else. And I also like what he said. It, you know, the situation has to be right. You know, when you look like, why is he going to go to uh, the Texans? You know what I mean? It's like when they have nothing going on down there. Or, you know, why go down there and just be the quarterback that gets beat up behind no offensive line with nobody to throw to for the next three years, you know? So when you look at the Jets and like what I think about that, I go, okay, well, are we the right, you know, the right place? Well, we have a top five defense with bona fide studs on it, potential superstar level talent on it. You got Garrett Wilson, you got Brees Hall, you got Bam Knight, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, uh, and, and on and on and on. I mean, it's like we have a lot of young talent on here. With somebody like Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to tell you guys a secret. Aaron Rodgers would find Elijah Moore, and we wouldn't be feeling the way that we feel about him. He's open, dude. We I watched you all 22. There's at least five or six plays a game, at least every game where Elijah Moore is running free. Our quarterbacks don't see him, don't find him. Michael LaFleur tells him not to throw it. I don't know what it is. Aaron Rodgers would find him. And when you have <clears throat> when you have guys like Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore open all day, uh, it's going to be a whole different level. I would love – to get Aaron Rodgers if it didn't cost the three firsts and all that shit. That stuff was a little bit much for me. But I think that's uh, I think that was very well said and I would I would love to have him. Matt, your thoughts on an Aaron Rodgers trade? Yeah, I don't think it would be nearly as costly as a Lamar trade. So that is um obviously an upside there cuz you don't have to give up as many assets, but I'm got to be honest, I'd be very 
afraid of a 40 year old Aaron Rodgers just falling off a cliff like that. You know, <laughs> just like this is it, man. Was this a little bit at the start of the regression? He went down under 3,700 yards passing, 26 touchdowns. Uh, interceptions went way up highest or second highest of his career, 12 interceptions. Um, I, I think he's a massive upgrade. I would be happy if it was Aaron Rodgers, but in the back of my mind, they would be like, shit, man, when are the wheels just going to fall off? Is it going to be this year? Yeah, the nice thing about the Rodgers thing is at least that's your last option. That's the panic yeah. option. Like, oh no, we need a like a Band-Aid for a year and then we're going to go back to Zach because we, we screwed this up and we didn't get Carr, we didn't get Lamar, we didn't get Jimmy G. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's interesting stuff to talk about. I think it would be fascinating. The only thing I think with Rodgers is I don't know if he wants to follow exactly in Brett Favre's footsteps because him coming to New York is verbatim what Brett Favre did. Now, the nice thing is Brett Favre, did not win anything with the Jets. We got to eight and three, one of the best records in the AFC at the time before he tore his bicep. And then, you know, maybe Rodgers wants to come here and beat what Favre did. Because if he gets a, a Super Bowl in New York, the guy is going to be looked at as a god. Um, so it's going to be fascinating to see how all of that shakes out. All right, let's go back to some of our super chats in here. I want to get... Uh, Get your guys' thoughts on stuff. City Bird, you're up first. Uh, he says, almost every team with a defensive coordinator type head coach will always complain about their offensive coordinator and vice versa. As fans, we should just get used to it and accept this. I don't think Salah was complaining about their offensive coordinator. I think it's more so if you have a specialty on one side of the ball, like a defensive coordinator like Robert Salah, you need someone who could be the guy that can oversee everything. That's why a senior offensive assistant like a Greg Knapp would have been so huge for having Matt, uh, Michael Floor on the offensive side of the ball over here. Greenbean, your thoughts on a defensive coordinator coach, maybe not liking their offensive coordinator and, and vice versa. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, well, with us, I think there was a pretty good rapport with everybody on the team. I'm not really sure. If the, I mean, is that happening here? I mean, I'm not sure what where the relevance is. Is that? I think he's like, just talking about like, uh, you the know, fans. there's always a. Mm, oh, okay. That's, that's a good way to think of it, Matt. I like that. Yeah. So, Green Bean, uh, I guess it's the the fans okay. feel that way. It's fans, we should get okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, City Bert. Okay. Well, you know what? I think I don't think every situations like that. I think the ones that are not working are like that. And that's why it's so shitty uh, because we usually fall under that category. You know, that's where we are. Uh, I think that having a defensive head coach and having a really good, a strong offensive coordinator, I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, there's plenty of successful defensive head coaches out there. Um, but, uh, you know, I think the, the thing for us would be just to have somebody that's competent. And I think if there's competency, Robert Sala's seemingly the kind of guy that will let you do it. He lets you run your own show. And I think if you if you have somebody that's competent, the fact that Sala's defensive head coach, he doesn't even look to be tinkering with the defense. I think that it doesn't matter that he's defensive. I think if the offensive coordinator is just competent, we'll have a successful offense. I don't think Sala will mess with it too much. But fans, I yeah, it's a good point. I agree. Blitz Crew says Chad Pennington is quarterback coach. Matt, your thoughts? A better option than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, he was limited after the injuries, but definitely one of the smarter quarterbacks I think that I've ever seen uh, play for the New York Jets. He was a Rhodes Scholar. Of course he was smart. 
Very, very smart. Uh, Mario Jets fan says, how about Nick Mangold for offensive line coach? Green Bean, your thoughts? I know. Wouldn't that be the best? It's like, honestly, honest to God, I would be ecstatic if we could pull like these last two super chats. If we go out there and we get uh, Chad as our quarterback coach and Nick Mangold as our our offensive line coach, but let's whoa, remember. Whoa, Justin dude. Crazy dropping a $100 super chat. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I'll let Green Bean finish and then I'll go yeah. over to it. Sorry, dude. <laughs> so, um, but we got to remember the other side. What happens when they suck at their jobs? Do we now hate people that we love? You know what I'm saying? So you got to remember <laughs> that. They, it comes with that, guys. So I don't know. Right, it's a little double-edged sword. It's like, I love Nick Mangold, but do I love Nick Mangold's coach? I don't know. I don't know if he can coach. I think that's right. uh, that's fair. It's 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 good to separate the player from the the coach situation because like Byron Leftwich, I didn't particularly like, but he's pretty decent as an offensive coordinator. Um, sort of the same thing with some like quarterback coaches. A lot of the best quarterback coaches were guys that were not starters. They were backups that bounced around from team to team. Uh, so I completely agree with you. Green Bean, Justin Crazy, dropping a massive super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, if Robert does not pan out next year, who would be a guy you guys would like to have as a next head coach? John Harbaugh just went back to Michigan. I would throw the bag at John, uh, sorry, Jim Harbaugh just went back to Michigan. I would throw the bag at Jim Harbaugh next offseason if Salah does not work out. I would give Jim whatever he wants if he wants GM. Douglas, I'm sorry, I love you, but you know, you're out with the bathwater too, unfortunately. Um, I would say Harbaugh would be the guy I would be kind of hitting the gas for unless Sean Payton doesn't get hired this this circuit around. Green Bean, your thoughts on the next perspective head coach if it doesn't work out with Robert Sala here in New York? Yeah, um, I, I would definitely like to see an offensive head coach. I know that, you know, we've been defense largely for decades, largely, right? We did have uh, Rich Cotite and Adam Gaze. And that just so happens that the two times that we went offense, we, we grabbed the dregs of the world. You know, both of them were just fired after terrible, you know, stints in, with other teams. So I'd like to see us maybe get an, an offensive coach that 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 you know looks like they're sharp, um, but I don't I don't know. It's hard for me to think. I would probably like someone from the McVeigh tree, you know, somebody coming out of that out of that realm. Um, maybe like Mike Lafleur, I think somebody like that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, your thoughts? Who do you want for coach next year if Salah doesn't work out? Uh, not Jim Harbaugh. I hate Jim Harbaugh. I, think he's, he's <laughs> I so want a guy that can bring it. his own staff in, experienced, has success in the NFL, and knows all the college players are coming out. That's Jim Harbaugh. That, that's fair. Um, <laughs> how about let's get nuts? Let's go. Uh, you know, there's rumors of him leaving all the time. What's that? What if Sean McVay's like, I'm done. We, you know, this team is old and our window closed. I want a new venture. Uh, you know, would you trade a first for him? Chat. Um, if they have a he wouldn't be able to trade for talent then because you gave up the first. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you have, maybe you have Derek Carr lighting up the world or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting. I think there's some some popular names in college too. I, I know David Shaw is being projected as going to the NFL possibly at some point. Maybe you can poach Lincoln Riley away from from USC. You know, throw all those big names out there. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot uh, going around, but I think for me, I like the guy in Harbaugh who it seems like. Woody has just always had some sort of affection for. 
and uh, you got to go big game hunting. Nothing would piss off Ross down in Miami more than the Jets getting Harbaugh <laughs> and him missing out on it. Uh, thank you so much, Justin. Andrew you know Dropson says, like, did you see? No, oh, yeah, go. go no, I mean, the guy I wanted the last time, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but just to add mm -hmm. to Justin's uh, thing here, I really liked um, uh, Matt Campbell from Iowa State. A lot of mm. good players are coming out of Iowa State. I think that's where Brock Purdy came out of too, man. Like he does it right. I know he chose to stay in college. He said he didn't want to be interviewed, and I get it. But if that happened, I would definitely go back there and take another swing at a guy like that, man. I think he's he is uh, everything I like in a coach and uh, completely revamped Iowa State up there. And uh, I think that he's the kind of guy that I would like. Ooh, that would be an interesting one, too. It would be first-time NFL coach. They've been trying to poach him forever. Uh, yeah. Andrew Yale drops and says, did you see the Mangold <laughs> gift days ago, offensive line coach? Yes, I did see that. We were just talking about it would be awesome to have Mangold. Hopefully he works out as a coach the same way he worked out as a player. AZ Jets says, more value in Carr considering the draft picks that we get to keep. I completely agree. Derek Carr should absolutely be option one on everyone's list. The fact that you don't have to give up any draft picks, he's probably not going to cost as much as Lamar and, you know, potentially Aaron Rodgers. You know, I know Rogers cap hit is going to be pretty low. His might be the lowest of the cap hits based on his current contract uh, if traded. But Carr not giving up the draft picks 100% is the way I would want to go as well. Uh, Jonathan Moore, where'd you go? I dropped in. He goes, uh, Urban Meyer for offensive coordinator. Oh. Yeah, that's the best thing we could possibly do. Um, I'm on board. Yes, why not? <laughs> uh, let's see. We got RJ McPott. Drops in, says, what are the timetables for our top two targets? Is it possible we miss out on Carr if we wait too long pursuing Lamar? Yes, 100%, RJ. The Jets, Derek Carr is going to be cut February 15th. Derek Carr will have a home before free agency, so you're going to want to sign Carr before then. I do think because of the way Lamar's contract is going to have to work, there's a real possibility that Lamar is traded earlier in the offseason so that way teams can work their cap around him i think that's something that could definitely pop up um and i would say maybe like jimmy g and lamar are probably the same time frame possibly if not it's going to be lamar closer to the draft and then you're talking rogers after the draft closer to june 1st those would be the the timetable the car would be the first one i'd go with uh matt your thoughts on the timetable of our top targets yeah now obviously if Carr, I, I know that there's a chance that Carr might not end up being traded, but if he was, it would have to be like, what is it, three days after the Super Bowl? Is that window? It, yeah, it would have to be three days after the Super Bowl. I think it would be one of those like handshake agreements, like the like they would agree on his current contract. They would guarantee the forty million dollars, and then he would uh, okay the trade, but basically right. Carr has to allow the trade to happen. And I just don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to want to test free agency. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Now it might be a dumb question, but I'm going to ask mm -hmm. it anyway. If he is cut in, you know, whatever, after the three days after the Super Bowl, why would he be available right away and not on the start of free agency? Because the start of free agency, that is when all contracts expire from the year prior. Because his contract, he has to be cut by the 15th. 
So his contract isn't going to have to expire because he was cut. So you could then pick him up at February 15th. I just assume you would be signing a contract for 2023 at that point. It wouldn't hit the 2022 cap at that point. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but the timeline-wise, yes, Carr would absolutely come first before Lamar just based on the Lamar thing's going to play off, play out for months and months and months and be so much drama. Uh, RJ drops it up with another super chat. This one's going to go to Greenbean. He says, Larry David claims he was banging on the table for Watson and Lamar. I only remember Watson. Any chance uh, he says he wants Allen Richardson, would he be right? Um, I don't think the Jets should go after uh, Richardson because I think, did I just say Allen Richardson? That's not what I meant. Anthony Richardson, <laughs> the quarterback from Florida. That's uh, not the route I'd like to go. He's an interesting prospect. I think developing him would be a lot of fun. Maybe if there's a situation where you think you're going to get Rodgers and you want to bring in David Bakhtiari and you want to have him sit behind Rodgers for maybe two years. But like, I just don't think the Jets should touch him with a 10 foot pole. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Watson and Lamar. Lamar was fascinating. I don't think you were going to take him in the top five based on the other quarterbacks that were there that year. And Watson, you know, I guess with foresight now, maybe you, you probably don't make that move, but it would have been nice at the time considering the player. Uh, Greenbean, your thoughts on uh, Richardson from Florida? You think maybe we make a move for him? Well, is this Larry David from the Seinfeld Larry David? I think so. I'm is? pretty sure that's what he's talking about. Yes. Interesting. Um, number one, Watson was the quarterback I wanted that year. I, just like you said, hindsight with all the uh, the affinity for massages and all those things. You know, all that aside, uh, I still think he's you know he would have been the smartest pick uh, for us in that draft. And so with that, but that that was painful that we took um, um, Jamal Adams over him in my book. Uh, that said, I, I would hate. <laughs> What's that? What'd you say? I said, or Mahomes. Yeah, but Mahomes was scarier, man. Like he was, mm -hmm. uh, he was, you know what he I mean? He was the Texas Tech guy. He wasn't, you know, a national yeah. champion. It was, yeah, I gotcha. Like there was a lot there. Like Andy Reid did a great job with Mahomes. And, and you know, wh whoever, you know, maybe he comes here and he's great. But I remember at the time, Mahomes was scary to me. And Watson was just like a, looked like the next big thing. So I don't know. I, I think going back to the first round for a quarterback, especially one that, I mean, by and large, is somebody that needs to develop somewhat. He's very raw. Um, I don't know, man. I don't I don't think this organization has the the stamina to do it. I don't think they have the balls to do it. And I think it's probably best that we don't right now. Um, we need somebody that's that's already kind of has that that foundation underneath them. We already know what we're getting. The floor, I think, is a better move. I, I think uh, drafting him would be would be a crazy move. Uh, Citybert drops in, says, Bart Scott said uh, the Browns broke the line with the other owners by signing Deshaun to that contract. Woody won't do something like that. If true, we won't be giving Lamar an insane guarantee. The issue with NFL contracts, more so than other leagues, my understanding is, the owner has to put all that money that you guarantee a player in escrow. So if you are guaranteeing $250 million, you need to have $250 million of your own in cash and put it on ice for the entirety of that contract. Like that's what you have to do. So that's 
That's the issue that I think a lot of teams have with what the Browns did. It wouldn't shock me if Lamar Jackson got like a two-year, $120 million fully guaranteed deal that stretches his cap hit out a little bit further. So that way you take advantage of the the crazy upside that he has immediately right now. But I don't think he's going to get the 250 fully guaranteed deal for five years. I don't know if that's something that a team's going to wind up doing, especially if you have to factor in that deal plus the two first-round picks. I don't know. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on the Browns possibly breaking the line and or crossing a line with the contract that was given to Deshaun Watson? Oh, yeah. I think it was ridiculous, the contract that they gave to Deshaun Watson. They completely screwed over every single team in the league then <laughs> after that. Um, and this is for a guy who didn't play in over a year. It just And then who was going to get suspended. Everyone knew he was going to get suspended. So um, it was dumb. They gave up a lot for him, and then they gave him all this guaranteed money. It completely screwed everything over. But, I mean, he re- reset the market now. So that's what you have to you know, abide by. So you could thank the Cleveland Browns for that one. Yeah, I mean, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm looking at the Cleveland Browns contract with Watson. I'm saying, hey, Baltimore, I didn't molest 22 or 24 women or whatever it was. I have an MVP to my name. I want that contract plus a dollar. <laughs> Like, I'm sorry. There's there's no reason not to get it. Greenbean, talk to me about this. What do you think about the contract that the Browns gave Watson? You know, you, well, you're 100% right. You know, like whether or not it's it's right or wrong, that's the way that the NFL works. That's the way it is. I don't know if you guys remember, but the Raiders did this years ago with uh, Namdi Asamwa. So, like, we had Rebus. Mm-hmm. His contract was fine, but then Namdi Asamwa signs for $16 million a year, which at the time, cornerbacks were getting like 10 you know, something like that. So mm-hmm. Revis, being better, held out because he wanted more than Namdi Asamwa. So this stuff mm-hmm. definitely has an impact. And I think, you know, like just like Matt said, I mean, it's, dude, they, 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 they definitely overpaid. It was an ill, you know, ill advised move. Um, and I think uh, it's sad that the rest of the league now has to kind of function in response to that. I think everybody should just go, look, that was ridiculous. We're not even talking about it. Let's get back <laughs> to the alley. You know what I mean? But you're right. He's going to say, I want that plus a dollar. You're right. Well, I think I think what you're going to have to have is have the owners collude almost like with what happened with Kaepernick, because I, I absolutely think that's, that's definitely what happened with him as well. Um, but have them collude against these type of contracts in the future and the types of trades that were required to do it. I mean, the, the Browns screwed it all up. Deshaun Watson said, I'm not coming to the Browns. I'm going to Atlanta. And then the Browns were like, oh no, we pissed off Baker Mayfield. We have to make this right. Okay, yep. Le- uh, okay, Watson, we'll give you fully guaranteed money. And now Watson's not performing the way he was after a year and a half off. Russell Wilson, the massive trade for him to get him in Denver, not working out how they thought. I think owners... GMs are going to look at those two trades in particular and say, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's not throw away all our assets. Let's not hitch our wagon, you know, for four years to a, to an awful contract and, and potentially a quarterback that has not performed well. Like for me, the Lamar Jackson thing is scary because of one, this contract two the trade, but then we have not seen Lamar Jackson, not under Greg Roman, not in a new scheme. We've seen Derek Carr under four different head coaches. I have more faith that Derek Carr is going to put up the same consistent numbers here than I do Lamar coming here in New York. I think that's the concern that everyone should absolutely be uh, on with this. That's a great Justin point. Justin Crazy. Man. Let me get crazy. Ah! 
Justin Woo. Crazy dropping a $50 super chat. This dude has been awesome. Thank you, Justin. Uh, he says, what is the most likely offense for the Jets this year? Last super chat of the night, my girl is threatening to leave me. <laughs> Justin, I love you. If your girl leaves you, you, I got you. <laughs> no, this is cool. Um, okay. Most likely offense for the Jets. I want Daryl Bevel here. I want to run an offense that utilizes Brees Hall out of like everything we've got going on. Utilize Brees Hall, Bam Knight, Michael Carter. Then you work the play action with, you know, Garrett, the tight ends, Elijah Moore. Get yourself a big body receiver. So I like Bevel as OC. He's been an offensive coordinator at four different stops. And then I would take someone like a senior uh, offensive play caller. Maybe it's like, uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe you don't fill that role until later on once you figure out if you can get Aaron Rodgers or get someone else in the building here. So for me, it's Bevel with a combination of someone older like a uh, like a Nathaniel Hackett that could help attract a quarterback and maybe provide some insight into that room. Greenbean, your thoughts on what a Jets offense could look like next year? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? We, we don't know who it is, but but I'm with you, man. I, I think uh, that point that you made about Lamar is a great point, too. Remember, Greg Roman was the guy. He was my number one for our head coach interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, he, I guess he just doesn't want to be one. I'm not I'm not really sure uh, what's going on there. But uh, I think you, you know, you just said with Brees Hall and uh, Michael Carter, who, by the way, didn't all of a sudden start to suck. After the fumble, that was a LaFleur. I don't know what that was. We started handing the ball to him once or twice a game. Michael Carter is a very, very good back. And then we learned that Bam Knight is also a pretty damn good back. So having a stable like that and whoever we keep, Ty Johnson, um, if we bring LaMichael Pirine back or something like that, I don't know who it's going to be. But the top three are studs. And, you know, having an offense that – that utilizes that, that is built off of that, um, could obviously free up a lot of what's going on with the passing game. So no matter what it is, I just want to see a quarterback that can hit the receivers we have. We have very good skill position, guys. If not deep, up top, we're very, very good. But I think it should really go through the running game because we happen to have – this isn't three years ago with Trenton Cannon and and uh, and uh, Frank Gore. Like, we have studs. And uh, I think it's time that we focus on the studs that we have and let's get ourselves a real offense here. I love it. Matt, your thoughts on what the Jets' offense could look like next year? Yeah, um, I agree that I think if you're going like most – likely i think bevel is probably the most likely candidate it feels like and i think they're still going to try to be a run first team i think that's going to be their identity now that doesn't mean that you know they're going to have Carr, lamar rogers whatever veteran you know pick a name out of a hat throw the ball 25 times and Brees hall run it a million times but i think they're going to try to have a balanced attack uh and hopefully what i would like to see is some more uh crossing routes or rub routes over the middle of the field is that too much to ask for get these guys garrett wilson and elijah moore get them the ball in space and let them do their thing with the ball in their hands um but yeah there's there's talent here obviously they just got to find a quarterback and fix the o-line a little bit i love it dante uh is up dante says 
I think we should strap all the Zach Wilson truthers to a chair and make them watch a week's worth of Zach Wilson most terrible plays, which is a lot. They are the part of the fan base I despise. I don't want to despise any of the Zach Wilson truthers because I was one of them at one point. <laughs> I was like, just give the guy some time. And then this whole year played out. And then I was like, well, all right. You know what? I think Zach Wilson, like Greenbean said earlier today, anything you get out of him is gravy at this point. You don't bank anything uh, into him as far as uh, is he going to be our future quarterback. But I think you you try to develop him over the course of this next year or two while you have a veteran in front of him. And if you get if your veteran winds up getting hurt and you have to go back to Zach, that's I don't want to say it's all right, but it's kind of okay. You just hold on to him. Uh, I want to see Zach work out. Greenbean, any thoughts on the Zach Wilson truthers out there? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because there's one of them in the chat who continually asks me to unban him. Um, BBY who is, is, is that what I saw in there? Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Uh, so, but he's in here doing exactly what I banned him for. He's talking about the Derek Carr below 30 fucking seven degrees thing. Like just, Oh, I've got that queued up over here. I can't wait to talk about BYU fans in here. I got the little super chat coming up. It's coming up. I'm excited to talk about this. Good, good, good. (laughs) I think, uh, look, Zach Wilson, there's nothing wrong with believing in your quarterback. This is one of the things that I had an issue with. Like I was, you know, like we've talked about on here, I was concerned early, but it's not like I wanted to see him fail. And I certainly wanted to give him time. It, we got to a point where he looked like he was completely inept. Like he had regressed to a point where there was almost nothing there. So I think, um, you know, look, guys that are Zach Wilson, you know, Zach Wilson truthers, good for you. I'm glad that you're supportive. I just don't like when they're completely closed off to the idea that maybe he's not playing well. It's like, no, he needs more passing plays. Or uh, That's the stuff I think uh, people got to get a little bit of a grip on. Other than that, hey, man, ain't nothing wrong with rooting for your guy. Ooh, Matt, any thoughts on the Zach Wilson truthers being out there? I, they want they want to believe in their guy. And look, I was with you. I thought I wanted to see two years of Zach Wilson before you make a decision. And the two years wasn't good enough for him to be a starter in year three. Now, maybe you bring in Rodgers for a year, you sit Zach down and he could figure it out beyond that. I think that's the most realistic, optimistic view you could have on Zach, but I don't know how you could see what you saw for what, 20 ish games, 21 and be like, yeah, let's try that again with uh no veteran in here with a playoff mm-hmm. mandate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just uh, run it back with Zach. That sounds like a, a great move. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. I'm going to jump some lines here because we we're just talking about BYU fan <clears throat> says Carr is uh, 0-6 on the road. He's actually 0-7 on the road, believe it or not. Uh, he says five touchdowns, six interceptions, 57% completion percentage. Uh, so Derek Carr's stats on average are a touchdown a game in sub 36 degree weather. And he's thrown over 220 yards once. Um, now, that being said, I want to remind you guys that Zach Wilson beat the number one seed Buffalo Bills at the time with 150 passing yards and one touchdown without Brees Hall, without AVT, in perfect weather. So if you're asking me if I would take Derek Carr's stats in cold weather and I'm going to get one touchdown and, you know, call it 200 yards uh, through the air... I'm all about it because that's a game I'm sticking Brees Hall out there for. I don't care if my quarterback throws for a ton of yards in a cold game. Get out of here. I'm all about, uh, you know, I'm all about Derek Carr. 
Green Bean, any thoughts or actually let me throw this one to Matt. Matt, any thoughts on the, uh, you know, the cold weather stuff with Carr? Yeah, and I know Green Bean's itching to get it and on it too. I think we all no, want to get our shot, shots in here. But I'm not a – you know very well I'm not a math guy and never claimed to be a science guy either. But let's let's think for a second here. If you live in a warm-weather place like California or Las Vegas and then go to a place that's extremely cold, so 37 degrees or lower, that's just about freezing temperatures, 32. That's going to be drastically different. But if you were to move or migrate, let's use a science term, migrate to a new location where it's a little bit colder, don't you think that over time your body will adjust to it and that it's not going to feel as cold to you? I don't know. Put on another long sleeve shirt too, maybe. I don't know. Like, let's just try to think these things through. My parents moved from the Northeast down to Florida and now they come back up here and they say it's cold. When they go down there, originally they're like, oh, it's too hot. We can never move down there. So it's, I completely agree with Matt. Yeah, I know, right? You're surrounding, yeah. Absolutely. Green Bean, your thoughts on this? Yeah, we call that your blood thins out. That's like the term that everybody uses. You get thinner blood. Now, I doubt that's scientifically accurate, but that's what they say. Yeah, it happened to me, dude. I was, uh, I'm a cold weather guy. Grew up up here scraping windshields my whole life. And then I went to Florida for a year. I came back, it was 50 degrees and I I was literally physically shivering. You know, it just, it happens. But let's just, aside from all that, which it's all accurate, you realize that we're pulling out 0-7 over a nine-year career. (laughs) So he's lost seven games in nine years. That's the thing that I want to put out front and be concerned about? So what? Let's say he never wins a game under the, he's played seven of them in nine years. We played, I think, one this year. So, so what? That's the game we lose each year. Who cares? You know what I mean? I'll take 65% completion percentage, 4,000 yards, and two to one touchdowns to interceptions every day of the week, and he can have the 35 and under loss. Steven, this was the other one. <laughs> I want to go in there. Give at BYU fan the ejector seat. Love the show. Go Jets. Thank you, Seven Levels. Uh, all right, up next, we got Jason Edwards. Jason drops in saying, experienced offensive coordinator first. Derek Carr after February 15th. Uh, second and first round. Stud tackle in the draft. We will go... Oh, first, oh, I got it. First is an experienced offensive coordinator with Derek Carr uh, by 215. Second, you want to get a first round uh, stud tackle and in the draft, we will go deep into the playoffs. Yeah, I would like to get one of those tackles. And Matt, I did do my my research on the tackles, and I think they are perfectly ordered as is right now. Skaronsky, Paris, and then uh, Broderick from Georgia. I think those would be the top three. Um, my concern is the Texans. If there's a situation where the Texans and the Bears trade, and the Bears drop back one pick, the Texans give up their 12th overall pick. Now the te- now the Bears select their D-end or whatever they want to get at number two, and they t- select the offensive tackle at 12 just ahead of the Jets. Um, I do think one of the three will be there for us, but I do think right where we're sitting, everyone's going to know there's going to be a, a red alert that the Jets are going for a tackle here. So I think we're going to have to worry about teams trading out in front of us. The Patriots are one pick behind us. The Titans are two picks in front of us. That's another concern. If the Patriots wind up losing win this offseason, um, they could jump in front with Vrabel. 
I think that's a concern. Um, but yeah, look, Derek Carr and a, a tackle in the draft signed me up all damn day. Matt, your thoughts on Carr plus a tackle in round one? That was in my plan for my offseason, so that sounds pretty good to me. Greenbeat, your thoughts? Um, Let's see, Frederick Carr, second a stud tackle. Yeah, that's what we got to do. That's what I want to do. I'll tell you what, though. Let me say this. Number one, hello, Jason Edwards. Good dude, Jason Edwards. Um, always has good takes. Constructive. I find Jason to be very constructive. Good conversation. You know what I mean? Um, this is a good so, one. Yeah, yeah, it is. So here's the thing. I, I'm going to tell you. Now, I don't know if we'll do this, but I would be totally okay if the Jets used the first-round pick to get a tackle. Then use the second round pick to get like arguably it could be the best or second best center in the entire draft. And then like in the fifth, fourth or fifth, we take another, like we take an interior guard, somebody that needs a year or whatever. I would be totally happy with that. Now, Joe Douglas has done that twice, right? He's done, I think he did it. He did it in his first year. He took Becton and Cam Clark in the fourth and maybe not avt no i guess only only one time so he's done it one time we're taking two offensive linemen in the draft in the same draft but i would be totally happy if we added that to it too man let's get this offensive line thing done like we've got to prepare for those injuries man and you know having max mitchell and becton come back in avt and we add a stud you know first round tackle and a third and a second round center and we got fucking three guards backing them up all fresh and young i think that that would be a refreshing change too yeah, I think a lot of people are, are looking at that center position. That's really exciting. Uh, right now, let's see, the top center uh, that's supposed to be coming out is John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Uh, you got Luke Weipler from Ohio State, Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas. Uh, those are the top three that are listed right now in front of me. I actually really like Ricky Stromberg out of Arkansas. He's a four-year starter, can play guard and center. I think if you bring in someone like him, and re-sign McGovern for a year, I think it allows you an opportunity if a tackle goes down, AVT bumps out and you move Stromberg over to guard, or if Tomlinson sucks and you have your tackles healthy, maybe you swap out Tomlinson for Stromberg uh, and have him play next to McGovern while he kind of learns everything there. But I, I love the idea of getting a, a center in this draft, whether it be the second or third round. Um, I know we've talked about it before. If the Jets wanted to go tackle, guard, center uh for the first three rounds i'd i'd be uh all right with that too <laughs> just just Hi. peachy uh mud files mud files drops in what's up dude good to see you in here uh he says evening gentlemen who would you guys want us to throw everything for me i want us to trade for lamar and d hop am i crazy for wanting a super bowl or bust you're not crazy mud files well, i want a super bowl don't get me wrong lamar is an option and it's one I'll get behind if Joe Douglas makes the move because of his connections in Baltimore. I think that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable. But at the same time, I consider Baltimore a really smart smart organization and them not signing Lamar is concerning to me. I, I do like them going the non-exclusive franchise tag route where you can kind of test him, engage him. Uh, as far as DeAndre Hopkins goes, I like D-Hop. I think more than likely the Cardinals are going to try and tank next year with with Kyler Murray probably not playing a large portion of the year with the torn ACL. I think they are squarely in play for Sean Payton in that respect then, and I think they bottom out and would look for picks in 2024 so they could trade up to get Caleb Williams, the kid from USC that Payton seems to be smitten with right now. 
Um, so for me, D hop, I think is a conditional 2024 pick. I wouldn't mind doing it, but I don't know if you make that move in conjunction with Lamar. Um, I like Matt's approach and going after Lazard from, from green Bay, but I guess it depends if, if he wants to follow Rogers to his next stop or where that kind of goes. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on Lamar plus D hop and who would be your throw everything, uh, at this guy. Well, uh, that that is definitely going all all in with Lamar and and adding D Hop. I don't know how you're going to make that all fit <laughs> under under the cap. I feel like that's going to be incredibly difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, not you're not crazy for wanting the Super Bowl or bust. I'm. I would just be worried then. What is your plan to fix the offensive line, linebacker, and safeties if you're throwing what cap hit wise? What is that like? 60 million dollars between those two probably at least yeah i mean you're talking maybe on a long-term deal lamar's 40 or 45 million the first few years as it starts to escalate and then d hop i mean even if you trade for his contract right now i think it's like 19 million dollars a year he just doesn't have guaranteed money left yeah so i i again i i wouldn't be mad at it i'd be like oh cool like this has the chance to be really fun but i i would be curious how they fill out the rest of the roster Green Bean, Lamar, and D Hop, you in? Yeah, well, Matt just said his last sentence is exactly it. Like, what am I going to be mad if they went out there and got Lamar Jackson and and Hopkins? No, but again, I have a lot of concerns. And would that be the way that I went? Probably not. You got guys. I mean, collectively, they've probably missed you know twenty uh, something games over the past year and a half. It's like. That's not a good look. We got uh, suspensions. We got injuries. We got all this sort of stuff. And they're super crazy expensive. So, again, I'd be happy. Let Joe Douglas figure it out, right? Figure out the money. Just get me fun, guys. Having Garrett Wilson and Hopkins with Elijah Moore underneath. I mean, shit. Brees Hall, that'd be fantastic. But, again, I don't think we literally don't think we can afford it. I don't know if that's real. Ah, uh, the cap's fake anyway. That's what I've learned. Justin Crazy, yeah. thank you for the dollar super chat. Uh, John drops in. John says, would have been nice for Zach to work out, but can't remember a better year to be in the veteran quarterback market in recent years. A lot of options out there. Uh, it's not even just the veteran quarterback market. It's nice to have a team that veteran quarterbacks may want to come to. I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle. And not having Adam Gase here and having Robert Sala, I think that's an attractive uh, thing as well. We've seen players want to play for Robert Sala from across the league. So I really like this as well. I completely agree, John. Um, Greenbean, you agree? Nice to ha- need a, a quarterback in this market. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's pretty good. I mean, the last few years have been interesting, right? Matt Ryan, Russell Wilson. Uh, it's like, there's lots of big name guys kind of flip flopping around. It's, it's more, more than we've seen in a very, very long time. I think it's, yeah, I mean, we have some opportunities. I think that's, um, there's a lot out there. Now, whether or not we can pull it off or pull it together, we, you know, we'll see. But it is nice to have more than like a couple, like Minshew being at the top of the list. You know what I mean? Mm. That would be a bummer. Uh, let's see. We got Jim Pock. Jim Pock says, what do you think Salah's vision for our Jets offense is? I think him being a defensive coordinator, he's going to lean towards ball control and allow his defense to kind of dictate the game. Uh, so I would say conservative time management 
and eating up the clock, run the ball with Brees Hall. I think that's why they drafted him this past year. Matt, your thoughts on what Salah's vision for the Jets offense is? Yeah, I think they're going to want to be a team that runs first and builds off the play action. Like, kind of like what I was saying earlier. I don't think they're going to throw the ball only, you know, 20 times a game and run it, you know, Brees Hall 25 times or something crazy like that. But uh, I think that's going to be their bread and butter. Um, I think there's, you know, room for that in the NFL. And I think that's the direction they're going to try to go. Creambean, what do you think uh, Sal's vision of the offense is? Well, I think it was to have Mike LaFleur as a part of it. I don't know. <laughs> but to change his That's mind. <laughs> uh, but I think um, I'm with Matt. I think, uh, you know, clearly they want to establish a running game. They used a, a pick on Michael Carter in 2021, and they used a, they traded up for Brees Hall uh, last year, I think. Uh, and, you know, obviously when he went down, we also traded for Robinson. But there's a focus on that running game like we wanted to upgrade it from what we had around here we had some guys that could do a little this little that but now we have guys that if if we have the you know the rest of the team like you know for example an offensive line that could get a little push uh i think that our backs are you know they have the potential to be stellar so i think that's pretty clear that the robert sala regime uh they wanted to put a focus on the running game and i think uh I think that's what we'll try to do moving forward. Uh, Seven Levels says, eject Jets Forever 2. Thanks. <laughs> I got to get, I, I moved my uh, my thing, so I don't think I have the chicken. The chicken? Across the screen. Yeah, I usually have the chicken. I, I unplugged the hard drive that I have it in, so the, the uh, file like, can't be found while I'm doing it right now. So I got to uh, gotta fix that. I will get it straightened out, though. Don't you worry. Uh, Tony Alexio says we want Munkin to fix Zach. I do like Munkin. Uh, he also dropped in and said trade Zach for picks to Carolina. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're trading Zach no. for anything right now. Uh, Ooh, our buddy Asmin's in here. What's up, Jake? Hey. Let me uh, hey. let up real quick. What's up, Jake? We'll get you on here in the next uh, week or so. Uh, Jake drops in and says, it's truly an honor to watch greatness on my screen every week. You three are legends. Asman, <laughs> you are a legend. Him too. Yourself. You're beautiful. Yeah. We'll bring you He's on. Uh, shoot me a text. I, funny story. I texted Asman this past week, and I, I was like, I don't know what I was doing. I was going through, like, different channels, and I just found out that I was not subscribed to Jake Asman. <laughs> I was like, Jake, really? you just broke 25,000 subs. I was like, you have finally earned my subscription click. I was like, <laughs> I don't know what, I was like, I'm shocked I'm not subscribed. I get all your videos. <laughs> but I guess it's just YouTube's algorithm feeding it instead of the subscription. I don't Interesting. know. It was funny though. Yeah, Jake's going to be it. hanging out with us on the Thursday Thick of It this week. Ooh, that's yeah. fun. Gets, I like some that. some quality Jake time. Yeah, man. I'm psyched. Good. I love it. Jake's a good dude. Uh, Milton Fung. Drops in with a super chat. Uh, oop, then I'll go back to Sam Aiken. Give me just a second. Uh, any concerns with car subpar season this year? I know Waller and Renfro were banged up, but they always are, especially considering they had Devontae Adams and Jacobs. Uh, my understanding from a close friend of mine that is a very avid Raider fan, he's, I would call him um, similar in knowledge that, you know, that I have for the Jets, for, for the Raiders, for him. Uh, he was telling me back in October that it felt like McDaniels was trying to submarine Carr 
all season. I mean, you lose three games by 17 or more points. You lose multiple comebacks. Like, these are not on Derek Carr. I know he had a, a little bit of a subpar season, but I think they were trying to scapegoat Carr so that way they could move on from him without the fan base getting riled up the same way that McVay went into Denver and, and you know, pissed all over everyone's Cheerios and got Cutler sent out. He was like, oh, no, no, I'm going to do this a different way. We're going to give Carr the extension with the one year out so that way we can be done with his ass after this year. Um, I think that's the route they went because they didn't want him, uh, or at least he didn't want him. Uh, so I'm not concerned with Carr's subpar season because it's still better than anything we've had. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> Green Bean, you concerned with Carr's uh, season at all? Well, not in the slightest, man. I mean, you think about it, dude. This is a subpar season, and he was benched for the last two games, and he still came out with 3,500 yards, uh, just about a 61% completion percentage, uh, 24 touchdowns and 14 picks. I mean, that's literally – if any of our quarterbacks had that, we would be talking about they deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And that's his bad season. I'm not concerned in the slightest. Um, that's really interesting what your Raiders fan friend is saying. I have mm. a friend um, who's also a Raiders fan. He's kind of Raider-esque fan. But he said that the going thought is that McDaniels, right when he got there, was going to was gonna find a way to get rid of Carr. And it's Ooh, just there's it's a, what he does. It's what he there's a video. It's by Wi-Fi Willie. He's a Raiders YouTuber. I have it in the description of my Derek Carr video, and I brought it up in the Derek Carr video itself. He does a great job painting the picture that I am trying to convey right here, and he does it really, really well. Like, Raiders fans are, like, they still like Carr a lot. The ones that have been paying attention to it, like, just weird, fluky things that were happening, like, even down to the contract extension. They're like, they knew it wasn't going to be a thing, and they, they kind of dropped hints throughout the whole way, and you sort of saw in different uh, press clippings and, and video clips of Derek Carr saying, oh, there's something in the locker room we kind of have to get figured out. We're all working. Like there's these weird things that were kind of dropped throughout the season. Kind of, I would say not unlike the weird chirps we heard about Zach Wilson, where it was like, okay, you, you heard a little bit of like maybe him not developing in the offseason. You heard a little bit of uh, Garrett Wilson saying, oh, I like the way, uh, you know, Flacco throws the ball or whatever. And you, you hear Elijah Moore getting a little frustrated, Denzel Mims maybe not getting the playing time. And it's like all these little things start to add up and compound. Um, and that's sort of what happened with the Derek Carr thing. So I, I highly recommend you look it up. It's a really, really good video uh, that kind of paints that picture there. Sam Aiken comes in, says, Carr is a young 31. Why are people talking like he is a scrub? I don't understand how you could look at Derek Carr and not want him. If he yeah. completed the final two games of this season, which he would have because he's healthy, and he only threw for his career average yards per game, 250 yards per game, he would have eclipsed the 4,000-yard mark again, and he would own eight of our top nine passing seasons in our franchise's history. Anyone who doesn't want Derek Carr needs to be shown the door right now. Yeah, well, look, to second that, when you talk to people that say a oh, car is not the answer, it's going on all, all in the chat, right? Car's not it. The arguments that they bring forward are seven games in nine years about cold weather. Um, you know, it's like these are the arguments. I mean, it's crazy to me. Again, it is does you know is he perfect is he everything i'd like no i don't like some of his like his just the way he kind of interacts with the team there, there's some things there that rub me a little bit but dude come on man like you said if 
If he just played average football, his average, he would have eclipsed a 4,000-yard mark for, I think it's the fifth time in nine years, and two of those other seasons he had 3,900 yards. Like, we've never had a quarterback like Derek Carr. Oh, by the way, he plays every game every year. Mm-hmm. He only misses a, a game every three years or something like that. So Consistency. That. that was the term that Joe Douglas used, consistency. What is more consistent than 142 out of 144 games? Think about that. Isn't that nuts? Like, what is it? What is it that we don't like? I don't understand. Jet fans just, uh, we can't have nice things. <laughs> You'd rather like, it's 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 that whole thing with uh, Family Guy, right? Where they go into the timeshare thing and they say, hey, Peter Griffin, you guys could have a boat or you could take the mystery box. Well, yeah, yeah. for the Jets, it's you could have the quarterback in Derek Carr or you could have the mystery box. This mm. wonderful thing over here. It could be a draft pick. It could be trading for Lamar Jackson. It could be, you know, a new offensive scheme for Lamar Jackson that he's never been in before and a new uh, location. Maybe there's, you know, what happens when he gets paid all this money? Does he wind up taking his foot off the gas? I know what happens when Derek Carr gets paid and I know how consistency works. Matt, <laughs> anything to add to this? Um, I, I don't know. I, it, it's I'm going to say the cold weather and then i've seen like the bad fundamentals bad footwork um all that stuff which i don't know if i he's a pocket he's a pocket passer that's what he is mm-hmm. he's gonna sit in the pocket he's gonna throw the ball 30 times complete 63 percent of his passes he'll throw 25 touchdowns and 10 picks he'll be fine will he ever be a star no will he ever be an abysmal bottom five quarterback like what we've had pretty much every single year of our goddamn lives no no <laughs> no he will not no. he will He's not gonna be okay he'll be somewhere between 12 and 16. i think the jets will be okay with like the 12 13 14 15 or 16th best quarterback in the league we were talking wow. about having below average quarterback play would get us into the playoffs like we not not like 34th ranked quarterback play like we dealt with we're getting top 12 to like like 10 to 10 to 15 if you bring in Derek Carr. I'm all on board with it. Glad you guys are too. Uh Sorless 76 says bet the Cowboys feel like clowns after letting Greg the leg walk after last night. Let's get a real punter next season. Special teams come back next season. Yeah, we need a punter. You got to get rid of Braid Man at this point. I think it's th- that experiment's over. Um I love Greg the leg. I, I don't know what his percentage wound up working out this year, but I think based on the kicks that he had and and the strength of his leg and everything, I 100% am on board with bringing him back on a, a one-year, $2 million contract. Same thing, he got paid this past year. And yeah, <laughs> Dallas missing four uh, four f- extra points in a row before hitting the fifth one. I saw a meme on Reddit, and it was, uh, oh, what the hell was it? Oh, it, <laughs> it was like the 9-11 thing where uh, the guy's whispering into George Bush's ear, and it says, uh, you know, another kick has gone wide right or something like that. Like a third kick has gone one wide right. And the first thing in the comments was like, holy shit, a fourth one did too. <laughs> it was like they, they made the meme because it was so outlandish that you had three kicks go, you know, wide on extra points that they have, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I thought it was funny. I like Greg Leg. I want a new punter. Green Bean, your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a shame because he clearly shows at times like just top tier talent, but the inconsistency, it's kind of the word of the day for us, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. always our problem. Uh, We, uh, you know, we have guys that look good for a second and then they collapse. But I'll tell you what, Greg, the leg, it's really nice when you have a 57 yarder that you actually believe your your kicker can make it like that's Mm -hmm. new. 
for us, man. You know, usually even when we had folk as as accurate as he was, Myers too, I think it was like anything over 50, it was like 50, you know, like it was a, mm. you know, 50, 50 shot of uh, of not of not hitting it. Now Greg Deleg, he gave us our first ever 60 yard field goal. He hit a couple 55 plus, but I think they should Give him two, three years. Like, just why do we got to deal with this every year? You found him. He's good. <laughs> it's because he's like 36. <laughs> he's he's oh, an lock, older guy. Lock, 38 lock, maybe or whatever. He's an older kicker. Franchise tag. <laughs> Get him. Yeah. <laughs> the NY bully drops in. Thanks, dude. He says, what about Mike Kafka? Did for Daniel Jones is it, uh, what he did. What Kafka did for Daniel Jones is impressive. What Ben Johnson did to revitalize Goff is unbelievable. We need a proven offensive coordinator who can come in and immediately imprint his philosophy on our offense. I really like Mike Kafka. I had Mike Kafka as our offensive coordinator in my mock offseason the year we were firing Gase, and I had him with Brian Dable too. With actually, I don't know if I had Jim Leonard or uh, the D coordinator from the Lions as well. But either way. I really like Kafka. He was the one that was put in charge of developing Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. The one game trial that we had of Mahomes uh, when Alex Smith sat, that game plan was designed by Mike Kafka and Biennemi was focused on on Alex Smith with, with Andy Reid and all that good stuff. And then I would say I don't trust what Kafka did with Jones so much just because of the type of quarterback Jones is and the type of... Uh, offensive coordinator I know Dable was like Dable very clearly wants Josh Allen light in Daniel Jones and I think it's it's fantastic if he hits the open market I would pay Daniel Jones and I would bring him here no questions asked but he's not leaving the Giants uh Goff had an incredible season I completely agree if you can get someone like Kafka someone like Goff as far as or sorry not like Goff like uh Ben Johnson that could really revitalize your your quarterback room and get some production here. The best thing for me about firing Mike LaFleur is the found talent that we're going to stumble into possibly. Like that like that's the upside. It's the hidden upside that not a lot of people are talking about. You're talking about guys Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore, Bakai Becton, uh Zach Wilson. These are all guys that were not able to fully take advantage of the offense Throwing Lake and Tomlinson in there. Who knows? Maybe because of everything going on, maybe we reclaim him and we get some extra production out of him next year with a new offensive coordinator. The Jets are going to get players back, almost like the same thing we saw on the defensive side of the ball this past year. We lost Carl Lawson. We lost uh, Vinnie Curry. You lose Joyner. You lose, uh, you know, whatever we lost last year on the defensive line. We got them back this year without having to spend any additional money. That's how I look at the offense next year, getting a new offensive coordinator. Matt, your thoughts on an offense coordinator that could imprint his philosophy and your thoughts on, on the job Kafka and uh, Johnson have done. Yeah, I, I think, you know, both those guys that you listed off are really good quarterback coaches. And I think, you know, there's there's obviously a, a talent there. And I like having or, or I like thinking of rather um, a guy who can come in and implement his philosophy and have it take over. I think with LaFleur, while I liked his upside, it was kind of like a, a carbon copy of what was going on in San Francisco where the Jets are casting a wide net and it doesn't necessar- necessarily have to be that same style, that same kind of system. We could see, you know, um, someone like, like Munkin. Munkin's more of an air raid guy. Mm. Uh, he's not someone who's going to really come in and, uh, you know, run the ball or run these West Coast schemes. Um, I saw someone in the chat before talking about, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on his name? 
He was uh, the Bucks head coach when Munkin was the OC. Dirk Cutter, same kind of yeah. same kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm optimistic, kind of like you said, of seeing what some of these guys on the roster could look like in a new scheme or system. Greenbean, your thoughts on an offensive coordinator and and the job that Kafka and Ben Johnson have done with their respective units? Yeah, well, just like you, Ryan, um, Kafka was the guy that I wanted for our offensive coordinator. And the defensive coordinator that I wanted was one of two guys. I wanted Aaron Glenn or Chris Richard. Like, those were the guys uh, that I was leaning on. But Kafka, man, I mean, he's the guy who's been working with Mahomes. I think he's doing a fantastic job. <clears throat> no, obviously, Dable has something to do with that, but Dable's the head coach. You know, he's running everything. And I think, you know, having a guy like Kafka that you can kind of know – uh, and feel confident in, uh, you know, he's very competent. I, I think uh, he's he's a fantastic hire, and I think he's doing a great job. I'm very envious, honestly. Uh, I really am. <clears throat> now, as far as uh, our offensive coordinator, um, yeah, I mean, like just like you said, I think that's one of the real positives. For whatever reason, when LaFleur and Salah and those guys came here, players just kind of seem to find themselves in the doghouse for no reason, right? Like, it's weird. It was very weird. And we've seen that throughout the last two years. Again, this year, we had the Elijah Moore thing, right? I still don't agree with how he handled it. And uh, I'll, I'll never think that he handled that right. At the same time, he's still very talented. And for whatever reason, we're, we can't figure out how to use him. And then there's the Michael Carter thing. Like, Michael Carter is uh, a fantastic back. He's not Brees, but he's a very, very good back. He fumbles in Buffalo. And it was as if they were punishing him or something, like literally two carries a game. Like, I don't understand. And I think that's one of the things that maybe, like you said, could be a really nice secret positive of getting somebody in here who's done this before, who knows how to evaluate talent, knows damn well we have talent on the team and all we got to do is find out how to use them, not need specific players to work in my system. I completely agree. Um, Bradley drops in. Bradley says, uh, people need to understand we won't be getting a top pick to draft a quarterback for a while. And an elite quarterback is a commodity not necessarily needed in our offense. I don't want to frame this quarterback search by what our current offense is right now, because the quarterback very likely is going to outlast the coaching staff if it doesn't, uh, work out. So for me, Yes, elite quarterback, 100% what you you want to try and go after, regardless of coaching scheme. I would like a scheme that develop, that uh, is wrapped around our talent on the team, not a specific thing. Uh, for me, I don't know. I, I don't want to draft a quarterback. I think we've gone that route. I think the dynamic of New York in general and the pressure that comes with being a an early, early pick in New York and the, you know, oh, he's got to save the city. He's got to save the franchise. Like, that's why you need a veteran in place. That's why you have an Alex Smith and you trade up for a Mahomes and you let him sit. That's why you have like these other situations and the Jets never seem to do it because we're so, you know, glossy-eyed for this brand new quarterback. We just want to see him play. And look, I was one of them. I wanted to see Zach Wilson play. In hindsight, we should have had someone, you know, sit him for a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. Matt, your thoughts on uh, getting an elite quarterback may not be necessary with the type of offense we're, we're thinking about running. Um. I guess, but it would help. I mean, it makes everything easier now having having an elite quarterback. It's really all about the the money that you'd have to pay, how that affects the rest of the roster, what you'd have to give up draft capital wise. Like those are all the things that you could kind of uh, lay out there. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm hoping that if you were to to land, like let's just let's use Carr as an example because that's the one that comes up the most. I feel like he's probably someone you could plug in and have be the guy for like a nice five year window. So, so I kind of get where Bradley's coming from here, and that'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it, to have the position figured out and just get some level of consistency or. Hey, swing big for Lamar and it works. Then that also makes life hell of a lot easier too. Greedy, and your thoughts: an elite quarterback is a commodity, not necessarily needed in this offense. Well, I think we could have said that <clears throat> with the when we had an offense. I mean, we don't have an offense anymore, so we don't know. Maybe the new offense is is uh, predicated on elite quarterback play. We don't know. Uh, the previous offense, I think it's a fantastic point. I mean, we were literally average quarterback play away from winning at least two, three more of our games. And we would have been in the playoffs with average quarterback play. Like Matt said earlier, you know, we have bottom two or three quarterback play, man. Like we're way down there. We're not even in, you know, the, uh, the middle of the pack. We have the worst quarterback play. So I think, um, you know, I think it's going to be a positive, no matter what offense, like the better quarterback play you get. But I think generally speaking with a defense like we have, and if you have a good running game, all you need is a quarterback that's less likely to make boneheaded mistakes and won't lose the game for you. On top of that, all he needs to do is get the ball to the playmakers. Garrett Wilson, Elijah Moore, Brees, dude, they can make people miss all day long. Just get the ball into their hands, nice and clean, no stress, no fuss, no muss. I think if we do that, we got our guy. Uh, next up, we got how about them Jets, says draft Brian uh, Breesy, defensive tackle, and trade Quinnen for a first-round pick. No. The only way I would move Quinnen Williams is to get a quarterback. That is the only way I would do it, and I would not trade Quinnen for Aaron Rodgers. I would only trade Quinnen for Lamar if it helped us keep, you know, a, an additional, say, first and a third or something along those lines. I think it's important to hold on to your own, and I think paying Quinnen is really, really important. Jake Asman, I'm going to get to your super chat in just a second, but because how about them Jets brought it up, I want to uh, talk about Quinnen real quickly here because I had this as a, a potential topic. Potential hurdle with a Quinnen Williams contract. As I've mentioned before, Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are going to have their backs against the wall. As much as I want them to re-sign Quinnen Williams, there is a legit possibility they decide not to, or at least wait longer into the like training camp season and allow this to be a little bit more of a holdout um, and kind of call Quinnen's bluff. And that's because we are going to need as much salary cap space as possible, potentially, to uh, to re-sign our own free agents, bring in new free agents. And I think if Douglas has his back against the wall, there is a real possibility that he may not re-sign a player that he did not draft. And I think there's a real possibility he may trade that player, um, you know, to acquire the quarterback. Now, I do think Salah, I do think Douglas ultimately want Quinn and Williams here long-term. And if Zach had worked out, they'd be getting the Quinn and Williams contract done easily. No, you know, no questions asked. I think just because of the situation that we are currently in with the backs against the wall of those two particular guys and the, the missing piece of quarterback, I think that's why there could be a little bit of a hangup in the Quinn and Williams contract. Greenbean, I want to get your thoughts on this. I totally get what you're saying. I really do. That said, I don't 
think that's going to happen. I think this is an opportunity. This is much bigger than just re-signing a player, in my opinion. I think it's a really great opportunity to show the team that if you work, you know, you put your nose to the grindstone, you don't come out and fucking be an asshole, and, you know, you just get better every year, do, you know, do your job. I think if you do that, um, you can get rewarded here. And I think he's a – I mean, Quint, who better to pay than Quinnen Williams? He's a sweetheart. Everybody loves him. He's dominant. The one game he wasn't there, the defense looked completely different. And he's, a, you know, he's becoming like a really positive leader. And I think this is a, an opportunity right now. And if you fuck with Quinnen Williams and drag him through it and make him hold out, I think it's going to send vibrations through the team that we just don't want, man. And I think it's an opportunity that they won't let slip away. They're going to sign him. Matt, your thoughts on the Quinnen Williams contract? I, I think Green Bean said it perfectly. To be honest with you, I think it's something set an example to the rest of the team. Use him as a positive example. He took that step forward, an all pro this year. You did everything you could possibly ask for out of the guy, a leader on this team. Uh, everything again, everything you want. I, I think you, you just you do it and you figure out the rest. I don't think it's going to have a drastic enough impact on the cap this year for it to be even remotely close to an issue. If I if I'm Joe Douglas, I think there's some other things to look into with this as well. And I I don't want this to come off as me not wanting to sign Quinn. And I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate here and trying to to look at the whole process here. The other side of this is we have a ton of first round picks coming up. You're talking between AVT, Sauce, Garrett Wilson, uh, JJ, and then not even talking about Elijah Moore and Brees Hall and like some of the, the second round pick guys that are going to be coming up for contracts. And if you negotiate with Quinn and Williams a year before his fifth year option, you're now planning to negotiate one year earlier with every single one of those players, which is probably a good thing to, to have done anyway. Uh, and I do agree with you guys. I think showing the team that if you play well for us, you will get rewarded as opposed to all the years that we've had prior where, oh, we have our guys that did well. Well, we're going to let them walk. We're going to trade them away. And we're going to give all the money to the guys that are free agents from other teams that had success right. with other franchises. So I, I'm with there with you guys. I just I see some things that maybe might cause some hiccups in the Quinn and stuff. All right. Enough of that. You guys can yell at me in the chat all you want. Jake Asman, our good old buddy, drops in. Uh, he says, how come Mike LaFleur doesn't have a job yet? Robert Sala said everybody and their mother wanted to hire him. Did Bob Sala lie to us? Did he? Look, everybody and their mother. That's what Zach Wilson, <laughs> that's a Zach Wilson line. He's looking for everyone's mother, right? Um, no, okay. Sorry, I'm all <laughs> over the place here. Mike LaFleur, why doesn't he have a job? Because it was the... Uh, the way to gloss over the the issues that they had. You know, he, Sal is not going to come out and say, Zach Wilson sucks. Michael Floor, you know, sucks. He's not going to say either one of those. I think it was a, let's get out of this press conference, move on to the next thing. They're not going to ask any more Michael Floor questions once we get out of this. Um, I do think he winds up landing on his feet. I think there's a situation where you see him maybe wind up back in San Francisco. I mean, honestly, you could see, you could see him wind up where any of those San Francisco type guys are. Maybe he's back. Maybe he goes with his brother to Green Bay. Maybe he goes down to Miami and, you know, decides to spite us. <laughs> Who knows? Greenbead, your thoughts on why Mike LaFleur does not have a job yet. Uh, that's funny because I somebody told me that he was getting hired by McVay. So I was, I was, okay, well, that's where he's going. I don't know. 
But uh, yeah, it gives you the impression that maybe, just maybe, it was a soft way of saying we fired him. Maybe. Maybe that's what they were really saying. But uh, I don't know. I think LaFleur will find a job ultimately. But again, yeah, it doesn't doesn't look like they made it sound like they had teams knocking on our door. Hey, maybe Mm -hmm. they're just in contract negotiations. Maybe LaFleur is holding out for more money with the new team. Maybe that's He couldn't meet in person until today, right? Like you weren't allowed to meet with interviewees until like, who knows? Maybe there's some more stuff going on here. Matt, what do you think? LaFleur got people lining up for him? I I think he's going to end up with the Rams. I I do think... um, uh, not maybe not as a OC, um, but maybe he ends up there as the OC. I, I think he's someone who could probably go back to being like a uh, an assistant, as in like a passing game coordinator or mm-hmm. some sort of positional coach, uh, and then get another crack at OC. I think there's upside there, but clearly uh, could could use some work. Uh, Craig drops in. Craig says, do you guys put much stock into getting our next Broadway Joe, a quarterback that can retire a Hall of Famer? To me, a Lamar White signing gives us a uh, gives us that long term chance. White like Mike White. Is that what you're saying? Are you saying Lamar plus Mike White behind him? No, there's no situation where I want Lamar and Mike White. I want someone who can not have to change the offense. Like if I have Lamar Jackson, I'm going after someone like a Marcus Mariota or someone like a, I don't Oof. know. For me, I, I get the gut feeling that Lamar wants to go to Atlanta. I think yep. uh, playing with Kyle Pitts is is very intriguing from a tight end perspective. I think that division is absolutely abysmal and I think he can dominate it for the next however many years. At least if he comes to the AFC East, he's dealing with Buffalo, he's dealing with New England, he's dealing with uh, Miami down there. So I think this is a much tougher task, but I don't think I need a Hall of Fame quarterback. I just want a quarterback that can get us to the playoffs, and then I can at least hold my head up as a Jet fan and be proud of. Matt, your thoughts. Do you need a Broadway Joe? Um, I do think is... See, I'm confused by the question. Like, are you saying, do you need mm-hmm. a franchise quarterback? Because then I think the answer is yes. You, a quarterback, you we can retire a Hall of Famer. That's the It's the Hall of Fame quarterback piece, I think. Oh, oh. Not necessarily. I, I don't think you necessarily do. Cause like we talked about, I think you could get by um, with average quarterback play on this team and be very, very good. But um, lo- the Lamar and white signing. Yeah. I'm with you, Ryan, where I don't think white would be the backup in that instance. I would think it'd be someone who would play a little bit more stylistically towards Lamar. So you don't have to drastically change your offense if there was an injury. So you're, you're talking about Strebler, right? Greenbean, I want to hear your thoughts. <laughs> on this. Oh, yeah. Uh, do, do, do you put much stock in? Do you need a Broadway Joe here in New York? Do you need that Hall of Fame caliber quarterback? Need? No. Wouldn't it be nice? I mean, you think about all of our years literally holding up the floor of the quarterback in you know position in the NFL. Like we've been top, I mean, sorry, like bottom three all the way back to like Sanchez, man. Like we've been at the bottom wouldn't it be nice if now on you know to contrast the pendulum would swing and we would have somebody like that so needed mm-hmm. no i'd be very happy if we could do that and look as much as i'm like not on the lamar train i'm really not there's a lot of red flags for me uh, if they do it i'm happy i'm psyched the whole thing but i'm hoping they go in a different direction but if they did 
and he's here. Let's say we get him for 10 more years. And he, I would love to see that happen and him be a Hall of Fame guy and, you know, uh, you know, take us maybe to a Super Bowl or two. I don't know if that's happened. I think I just want a quarterback that can hit 65% of his fucking passes and get more touchdowns and interceptions, and that's all I need. You know what I mean? That's all I want. Mitt Flair drops in and says, Firing Mike LaFleur left a bad taste in my mouth, almost like it's the beginning of the end for this coaching staff. The one thing I believed was that they were going to stick together and grow. I like Salah too. I do like Salah. I think Zach Wilson is exactly why Mike LaFleur was fired, first and foremost. It's all about the quarterback. You had to change something, and there's enough issues with players uh, that have kind of been chirping, and it seems like there was a rift in the locker room. It seemed like he was just too introverted and, and didn't really confront guys the way he, he should have. And open communication was a very big thing that we've heard for the Jets looking in this offensive coordinator search as well. Um, but yeah, it kind of sucks that you'll lose out on, on Mike LaFleur uh, staying with Salah here. Greenbean, I'm going to have you keep selecting our qualifiers in the chat. Guys, for every 25 likes we got, we're going to pick a t-shirt qualifier. So Greenbean's getting those down right now, and then we're going to pick our qualifier there. Matt, I'm going to have you go to last week's stream uh, and get us five qualifiers from over there. Juan Medina drops in. Juan says, trade a 2024 pick for the Honey Badger. He has two years left and draft a young guy behind him. I think we can trade Lawson before we cut him and get Carr. So, Honey Badger for two years. I wanted Honey Badger back when we got uh, Tremaine Johnson. I think that was the year he was a free agent. Um, I don't know if I want Honey Badger now for what he's getting paid. I, I don't know what his contract is off the top of my head, um, but I would say probably no to Honey Badger at this point in time. Uh, I almost think this year, based on the the I don't want to say the restrictions, but based on needing a quarterback, needing a tackle and, and some other pieces, I think we're almost going to have to rely in some capacity on Ashton Davis, Denzel Mims, uh, Quincy Williams. You know, I think we, we bring him back for, for linebacker and stuff. Uh, and then Makai Becton, whether that be as a swing tackle or maybe as right tackle, I think there's going to be, we may have to rely on some picks that Joe Douglas has already made here instead of going out and, thinking we're going to, you know, maybe replace the safety position or replace the, you know, linebacker or whatever. Just something to think about. Matt, would you trade a uh, 2024 pick for the Honey Badger? No, I'm all good on 31-year-old safeties. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it's just because it could fall off at any second, man. He was all right mm -hmm. this year for, for the Saints, but I, I would hope that you're coming up with a better swing to fix safety than Tyron Matthew. I agree. Green Bean... Honey Badger for you? No, I'm the same way. I mean, I I prefer the youth movement, man. You know what I mean? I I like when our like DJ Reed and even Jordan Whitehead who didn't work out. I like the swing, 25, 26. Like that's what I want to see. I don't these old guys hoping to kind of you know suck a last drop out of the lemon. I'm just I'm past that. Just let's get let's keep staying young. Dylan, I don't like this question. He says start, sit, cut, huff. Johnson, Clemens. Ugh, I want all of them. All right, sit, start, sit, cut. I'm going to start Huff because I love his explosion. And I think, unless you want to say I want to sit Huff for the first two plays and have him pass rush on, on third down, then that'll be my answer. And then I'll have Johnson first. I would cut Clemens, but Clemens, I think, would cut me first uh, because <laughs> Clemens is terrifying. But I would. I, the only reason I'm saying cut Clemens is because he's a lower draft pick. Um, 
other than that, I love all three of these guys. Matt, start, sit, cut. Huff, Johnson, Clemens. Damn, I hate doing this. Um, I, <laughs> start, Huff. He's the best pass rusher on the team. Sit, mm-hmm. Johnson, cut, Clemens. Mm, Green Bean, how about you? Start, sit, cut. Huff, Johnson, Clemens. Oh, I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not cutting any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to get a zero for this question. I don't, yeah, don't want to. Like no. no, you're going to clip me. You're going to tell me I want to. I don't want Jermaine Johnson or something. Like, yeah, right. That's what happens. You know what I mean? I heard him fucking green. I heard him say that clip and put it on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it, Dylan. I'm sorry. I want to start all of them. How's that? I love it. Uh, Jake drops in again, says, should Jets forever be on the Jets Super Bowl? Parade float. Uh, I think it will. It'll be in the uh, the 2024 uh, February. So I, I'm I'm on board with it, guys. We had a poll question up. We almost have 200 votes on it. Who was more a pain in the butt tonight in the chat? Was it Jets Forever? Was it BYU fan? Right now, it's a dead tie. 38 percent to 38 percent. Wow. Jets Forever and BYU fan. Uh, I shouldn't have added the love oh. you guys. LOL. Because there's 24% of the vote there. <laughs> so, I don't know. We need uh, ranked choice voting so we can eliminate that third option and see where it would have ultimately ended up. Um, but yeah, let's end this poll. I like that it's uh, an even 38-38. I think that makes me smile. Um, oh, no. Jets forever. Squeak it by at the end there. 38% to BYU's 37%. Jets forever. Coming home victorious. Wow. Yeah, it's funny. There was at one point in that poll, BYU fan had 100%. And with one you vote, vote first? You know how I know that? Was it you? It was you. <laughs> he, he, Green Bean screenshot, and it's like, nope, this is the right results. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. All right, Matt, you got our, uh, our qualifiers for us? Yes, I could rattle off some names. Yes, let's go. Okay. Oh, Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm ready. Kim Goley. Goley like the the, the position. Yeah. Right. Uh, Eminem rocks ninety three. Do you think that's like a new candy or like this the no. rapper? It's E M I N E M. I want rock M Ms. Yeah. We'll go. Radcliffe Murphy, 5273. Five, two, seven, three. Vilify a human. Vilify a human? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll go undisputed retail. Interesting. Hey, man. The weird world we live in. Okay. <laughs> Let me get uh, a few people that retweeted the stream. Let's throw uh, Aaron Daniels. Okay. Let's go Zach Hunko. H U N K O. Got it. And we're going to go Ken Duffy. Ken Duffy. Duffer. All right. Do some uh, odds or evens. Three, two, one. (laughs) That's a nine. It's It's funny that I haven't done that joke yet. That's the first time I've ever done that. 
It it's, took me two uh, years. You know what? This is like uh, the first time you get like the, oh, you got something on your shirt. Yeah. yeah. It's classic. Okay, <laughs> All right. So that was odd. That was odd. All right. Nick Russo's gone. BYU oh. fan, you are gone. Oh, Mr. Green Jeans is out. Jennifer Slattery's out. John is out. Uh, Eminem Rocks is gone. Vilify a Human is out of the contest. Uh, Zach Hunko is out. All right, we're ready. All right, three, two, one. That's a six, I think, right? Yeah, six. <laughs> All right. Balls be hurting. You're out. Uh, Ace, of, <laughs> Ace of Spade, you're gone. Radcliffe Murphy is out. Aaron Daniels is out. All right. Let's see. How many we got? Three, four, five. Five more. All right. Three, two, one. We got an eight. That's an even. All right. Frank Haver's out. Uh, Undisputed Retail is out. So we're down to three. All right, first number after Jake Asman's name. Ooh, we're going to go Nick Russo because he threw up a two. <laughs> Let's get three, two, one. Two, four, six, and we got the two from Nick Russo. That's an eight. Oh, so now we're down to two. Kim Goley's out. Ah, okay, three, two, one. It's going to be the number after the VZ. Five, six, six plus a three. That's a nine. It's an odd number. What we got? Who wins? Right, one one eight nine Paris. You are the winner. Oh, I love it. One one eight nine Paris. Thank you so much for hanging out with us as always. Make sure you reach out to me on one of my social media platforms. Hopefully, it's email. It's usually the easiest way to get in touch with me, uh, and I will get your information. I will send you out a T-shirt, guys. We have reached the end of our panel. I want to go around and give everyone our closing thoughts. Greenbean, any last words for our panel? Uh, I'll tell everybody, you've been asking, I am not doing the After Hours show tonight, and I'm not doing it for the remainder of draft season. We move that block to the Monday night block, uh, mock. The 10 o'clock Monday night mock started last night. We will be continuing that every Monday, 10 p.m. Come on and have some fun. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Matt, any last words for our panel? Uh, new episode of Just Jets tomorrow. We are talking about pretty much every single offensive coordinator that's been linked to the Jets. Uh, some playoff recap and your questions. Please tune in. I love it. Boys and girls, it's been a lot of fun hanging out with you tonight. Make sure you hit that like button on the way out. Tell a friend to tell a friend about the Talking Jets panel. This is Jets Talk signing off. J-E-T-S! I think every single person in this locker room is a competitor at the highest level. So, yeah, when you feel as if your back's against the wall, you never have to feel like you have to do it by yourself. Under pressure, sacked by Quinnen Williams. Right sideline, Usama's got it. You look to your left and your right, you got guys out there with you that, that our whole point is to help each other. This one, the Mims. To be able to go out and, and lead these guys, just to know how hard these guys work and how important it is to them, and then you get that chance to, to lead them. Everything that happened that needed to happen for us, it almost felt like kind of like a sign, like give like a second chance almost. Gets extra pushes, running left. Maybe a little extra life breathing in the locker. Touchdown, Jets!